all bring a morgue, but you can't bring the truth to me. You and all your expectations. I don't even want your congratulations. I recognize your false confidence and calculated promises. All in your conversation. I hate people that feel entitled. Look at me crazy, cause I ain't invite you. Oh, you important, you the moral to the story. You endorsing motherfucker, I don't even like you. Corrupt a man's heart with a gift. That's how you find out who you're dealing with. A smart percentage you I'm building with. I want the credit if I'm losing or I'm winning on my mama. That's the really shit. Peace and love, peace and love, people. What's good, Rob? What's good, Unc? Hey, man, it's an honor, it's a blessing to be speaking on one of the dopest podcasts out right now, bro. I appreciate you for what you do, man. You are really keeping the culture alive right now, man. You know what I'm saying? Big ups to the Boogie Down Bronx, baby. Big ups to the Boogie Down Bronx coming live from Georgia, man. Coming live from the Dirty South. What y'all know about the Dirty South? <laughs> Yeah, man, y'all be sure to check out my music, man. Follow me, all that, man. You did what I'm saying? But anyway, I'm finna go ahead and get into it, man. All the Stars, man, by Kendrick Lamar and SZA, man. One of the most beautiful songs, greatest songs, dopest songs out the Black Panther soundtrack, man. The soundtrack, awesome. The movie, awesome. Long live chat with Bozeman, man. We suffered a, a tragic loss from a good, talented brother, you know what I'm saying? I also uh, recognize him in uh, the movie 42 when he played as uh, Jackie Rab Robinson and everything like that. You know what I'm saying? But long live chat with Bozeman, man. You know what I'm saying? I ain't finna hold y'all, man. But All the Stars is definitely 
a beautiful, beautiful song. It's one of those songs you could definitely play five to ten times in a row after the first time hearing it. You know what I'm saying, man? Kendrick Lamar, he definitely is one of the dopest in the generation right now. You know what I'm saying, man? I ain't even going to lie, man. Kendrick Lamar, yes, he dope like I said, but bro... <laughs> It's it's crazy, but I'm not really a fan of Kendrick Lamar. I love Tupac. I love DMX. I love Goody Mob. I love Outkast. Those are my personal favorites of all time, man. You know what I'm saying? But Kendrick Lamar, he he ain't a personal favorite of mine. But you know, I acknowledge him for the for the great dope MC he is, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like he he definitely he definitely one of them ones. He definitely one of them lethal individuals when it come to you know approaching that mic so i give him his credit bro i give him his credit he do he does know how to make great music man you know what i'm saying but yes man all the stars is definitely a beautiful song man you know what i'm saying i feel like when i close my eyes and listen to that song bro all i can see is chad with bozeman you know as the black panther doing what he do you know what i'm saying man because you know certainly we suffered a tragic loss from a talented brother man you know what i'm saying man but Anyways, man, we finna go, finna go ahead and get into go ahead and get into that masterpiece, man. I ain't finna hold y'all, man. Rob, peace and love, bro. I appreciate you, man. It's a blessing and an honor once again, man, to be speaking on one of the dopest podcasts out right now. Keep the culture alive, man. Keep on keeping the culture alive, Rob. Peace. Welcome everybody to the latest edition. Of the legends of sports and music, this is your host, the OG, the uh, the original great Rob Silver, and today this is a revision of a podcast I did with my former podcast partner Logan seven months ago. We did a Kendrick Lamar tribute podcast. That show is no longer available on the platform Logan and I used to do that program on. So what I'm doing today is revising that podcast with me being solo and 11 great voice notes by 11 of my favorite listeners you got some new listeners in here uh sending voice notes for the first time and to begin with nick james georgia georgia aquarius on twitter check him out on twitter positive young brother who does positive hip-hop talking about probably the single most positive rapper in the last decade, in the last 12 years, in the last 15 years, Kendrick Lamar. That's who we're talking about today, baby, Kendrick Lamar. And we start the part podcast off with all the stars. And Nick broke it down, broke down how beautiful the song is. And when you hear the song, right, the, yes, the song embodies the movie Black Panther because it's from the Black Panther soundtrack. Uh, I believe Ryan Coogler and the producers of the movie, and he was one of the producers, approached uh, Kendrick a year before they started filming, asking him if he could do the soundtrack, if he could oversee the soundtrack to Black Panther, which came out four and a half years ago. Kendrick said no problem, and this was the first single off that album, and Boy, did he hit a home run. He hit a home run with this song with him and SZA. And SZA shines on this record. And one thing you're going to hear throughout this podcast and that you're going to learn is that Kendrick, when it comes to female artists that he collaborates with, always make sure that that female collaborator 
is either on the level that he is artistically or greater. And that's what we see from SZA. SZA bodies this song almost to the point where you forget what Kendrick was spitting at the beginning of the song. Now, when you hear the song, you might interpret it the way I interpreted it. When I hear the song and the lyrics, especially what Kendrick says, I'm thinking this isn't about T'Challa, Chadwick's uh, character. This sounds like it's from the perspective of Killmonger, Michael B. Jordan's character. Listen to the words. Tell me what you're going to do to me. Confrontation ain't nothing new to me. You can bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue, but you can't bring the truth to me. Now, Killmonger is depicted as the villain in the original Black Panther. But in my eyes, he's the anti-hero. He's the hero in the anti-hero of the movie. He was born out of wedlock. T'Challa's father is Killmonger's father from a relationship with a black woman in Oakland, California, and he abandons his son, doesn't recognize his son. Killmonger, finding out who his real father is, travels to Wakanda to get what he feels is rightfully his, a seat at the table with T'Challa's family. They look at him like he's a bastard. And so a war occurs between Killmonger and T'Challa for the right to rule Wakanda. And the words in this song tell me that it's, it, I interpret it as Kendrick taking the approach of speaking for how Killmonger feels. Fuck you and all your expectations. I don't even want your congratulations. I recognize your false confidence and calculated promises all in your conversation. I hate people that feel entitled. T'Challa, being that he was born from his mother and father who were married, the king and queen of Wakanda, that he is more entitled than Killmonger to being the king of Wakanda, and he doesn't recognize Killmonger as having any claim to his family, despite the fact that they both share the same father. These lyrics are deep. And when I look at Black Panther and think of all the bullshit that went down in that movie from the Wakanda rulers, from T'Challa's family, from T'Challa's army, you wonder, is this a microcosm of what really is happening today? Is Kendrick flipping the script with his song? Because we know that the movie is depicting T'Challa as the hero and Killmonger as this angry, militant American black man who's evil. But is he really? The rest of, the, rest of Kendrick's bars. Look at me crazy because I, I ain't invite you. Oh, you important? You the moral to the story you endorsing? Motherfucker, I don't even like you. Corrupt a man's heart with a gift? That's how you find out who you're dealing with. A small percentage, who I'm building with. I want the credit if I'm losing or I'm winning. I'm my mama, that's the realest shit. He's breaking it down and I'm my mama. His mama, Killmonger's mama, who was abandoned by 
T'Challa's father, as he leaves Oakland and goes back to Africa, leaving a pregnant woman behind with her son that she has to raise on her own. Corrupt a man's heart with a gift. The American CIA gifted Wakanda in their war against Kilmonga by sending in a, a CIA agent to help rescue the day. Now, that's some fucking bullshit, right? You have this white CIA agent, and we all know the damage and the crimes committed against our people, black and brown people in America, from the CIA. And across the world, the CIA killed Patrice Lumumba. The CIA for years tried to kill Fidel Castro. The CIA for years helped South Africa continue its apartheid regime with the illegal imprisonment of Nelson Mandela, with the killing of Stephen Bilko. I don't want to get I don't want to get too deep, ladies and gentlemen. But that's some bullshit. And when I hear all the stars, I think Kendrick flipped the script. And in his version of the song, and in his mind, Killmonger is the true hero. And T'Challa, while not being evil in his own right, has been blinded by power. And in order to beat the great black militant, American black militant in Killmonger, what did Wakanda do? What a lot of countries have done. Bringing the American CIA to destroy that evil black threat that they believe this American was. Just a continuation of what's been happening in real life. I remember as a little boy, my father used to tell me, don't ever make fun of a movie that shows some shows conspiracies or shows uh, the government in cahoots to destroy our people because those movies are based in reality. And that's when I see uh, from Black Panther. Now, it made over a billion dollars at the box office. White people went in droves because they're like, hey, look, the CIA ain't that bad after all. Man, get the fuck out of here. Anyway, quick personal story concerning the time this movie came out. That um, February of 2018, the movie comes out, and I take my nephew, who at the time was 13. We had a great time watching the movie, and I don't, I didn't get into too deep with him about the what I thought was going on in the movie. Let him enjoy it, not a try, not trying to make him look at the world <laughs> with angry eyes. Right? Little by little, we we talk about things. All right, and I try not to throw everything, and I don't, I don't want to bias him. All right, I, I don't want to, um, I don't want him to. Uh, you know, feel mad at the world, mad at this country. But that being that being said, and 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 aside, at that point in time, my son, who and 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 anybody who knows me personally, know my son passed away eight months ago. I'm recording this the day after Thanksgiving is the first Thanksgiving I have spent without my son being on this planet. There were several. 
Thanksgivings that I didn't spend with him because in 2013, on his 21st birthday, he took a $35,000 settlement that he had won from, from breaking his leg in a school playground when he was nine years old. He got he uh, when when we won the lawsuit, I made sure that he didn't get the money till he was 21 because I wanted him to go in college to go to college and fulfill his uh, degree before getting that money. Well, he quit college. He took that money on his 21st birthday, bought a plane ticket to Florida um, in the, uh, I believe it was the West Palm Beach area of Florida. And he left in the middle of the night without telling me. He just got up and left. He didn't discuss with me anything. He got up and left. And look, when you, we, we, I believe in free will and you do what you want to do, right? I had told him what I wanted him to do with the money. I was going to help him put money away and I wasn't charging many rent. He was staying with me. All I wanted him to do was finish his college career, his, get his college degree and start his career, whatever he wanted his career to be. But he wanted freedom. He took the money and bounced. Less than five years later, in February of 2018, he calls me while on the on the Amtrak coming back to New York talking about, oh, he's coming to visit New York. Can we hook up? Now, this is a young man who at the time was 25, and he and I hadn't had one single conversation in almost five years. We traded a couple of texts, but he, whenever I called him, he wouldn't answer the call. Not one time did he wish me happy birthday. Not one time did he wish me Merry Christmas, Happy Thanksgiving, the whole fourth. And my mother, his grandmother, who loved him with all her heart and soul. He never once called her for on her birthday or Mother's Day, Christmas, etc. So when he texted me on his way back on Amtrak from Florida, I already knew something was up. He tried to stay with his mother, but his mother is a crack drug addict, a drug addict, a crack addict, and she started going through his things. He he stayed with her maybe two weeks. And he asked me, could he stay with me? And I told him, no problem. Matter of fact, I told him, you can stay with me until you find a job and then an apartment, and I won't charge you any rent. I didn't charge him any rent, nothing. So he came back in my life. At the same time, I got back together with my ex-girlfriend, Vonette. We had been separate for, separated for almost two years. And on Valentine's Day, I had her blocked on my phone. Valentine's Day, I checked my voice messages on my iphone and on on the iphone there's a section on your voice messages that say block messages and it was her calling me on valentine's day i waited 10 days i called her 10 days later and we began to reconnect and we got back together and so whenever i think of all the stars and the black panther movie i think of how at that point in time two of the three people that I love the most in this world, the two people other than my mother I love the most in this world, my ex Vonette and my son Peter came back into my life at the same time. Talk about irony. But unfortunately, and I'll talk more about this later and you can hear more about it in previous podcasts on this platform, my son passed away this year and my relationship with Vonette four and a half years after we got back together that winter slash spring of 2018, that relationship has finally ended as we broke up for good in August. But 
despite all that, despite the pain I've gone through this year with breaking up with her and uh sudden death of my son at the tender age of 29, I will never forget this song and the movie because it brings nothing but great memories. Now, we're going to hear another. Well, this is, I think this is the third time he's, my, my uh, Long Island Haitian brother has given us, has blessed us with a voice note. This is my man, Jay. He's going to talk about the greatness of Kendrick. Then we're going to play a duet between Kendrick and Janae. Janae Aiko? Janae Aiko? I can never say uh, the beautiful young woman's name. Growing Apart. And then I will talk about it after Growing Apart's played. Kendrick Lamar, to me, is one of the most creative artists in the last 10 years. Artists that broke out into the mainstream, I mean. Because every project he's put out doesn't sound like the last. And to me, that shows you're not afraid to take risks. You're not afraid to push the boundaries of what an artist can do creatively. And I respect that a lot. Even if I don't like the project at that point, I could really sit there and like respect that. Because... You need people that's going to do that because if everything stays stagnant, then things will eventually die out. And musically, I don't think anybody wants that. So I respect Kendrick. That's the thing I love about Kendrick Lamar the most. That's the thing I respect about Kendrick Lamar the most. And let me see, when was the first time I remember seeing Kendrick Lamar? I think the first time I saw Kendrick Lamar, it was on a music video. I think it was him and J-Rock and somebody else. But it premiered on 106 and Park. But this was back when Corny asked Terrence and, and Rossi was running the show and all of that. So it was a long time ago. But that that's the first time I remember seeing him. Then I remember my cousin's bumper section in 80 around that time too. And then a couple years later, Good Kid Mad City drops. And when Good Kid Mad City came out, like I remember when that album took off and Every single car was bumping. Everybody, at least I remember, loved backseat freestyle. Everybody was loving swimming pools. Everybody loved Compton with, with um Dre. Like, everybody just loved that album. And what I loved about it the most was because it told a story about, Ken, about Kendrick's view on Compton from beginning to end on how he saw it and how his experience as, when growing up in Compton made him view the world. So... I, I, that's that's the reason why I loved it the most because v- seeing people's perspectives and how they view things and how they see things, that's my favorite way to learn in life, period. So that's the reason why I love that album the most. Now, to Pippa Butterfly, that's the album that made everybody love Kendrick. That's the reason why he's held in high esteem to this day because of what he talked about. He talked about social climate of, of America at that time and it's even more prevalent now because the world is even more chaotic now than it was just a few years ago. Now damn that's an album me and my, my friends we um we argue over because they <laughs> they like that album a lot more than I do. Not that I don't like them. I do like them. I like them a lot but they like it more than I do. Like a lot of them that's their favorite album and I'm just like nah it's not mine, but I understand it. I understand it. Now, his latest album, 
that might be his most risk-taking out of me because he's he's I think it's good kid not a not good kid it's to pimp a butterfly just in a different way because he's still ta- he's still talking about what's going on socially just how do I how do I how do I word it it's a lot more in your face if if people understand what I mean it's a lot more in your face than what the pimple butterflies the pimple butterflies it's kind of like from the perspective of what you see just observing the morale album is it's it's more in your face like he's in it I don't know if that makes any sense but that's how that's how I viewed it listening to that album and it is my least favorite Kendrick album, but it's an album I respect because, like I said before, in the beginning, he's not afraid to take that chance to 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 push the boundary and to talk about things people aren't going to talk about. So that's the thing I respect about Kendrick Lamar the most. Um, Kendrick Lamar, it should be respected the way he is. Because he's going to influence somebody. And maybe they will push the boundaries even further. But that's all I got to say. Rob, thank you once again for letting me get on and share my thoughts about music. I appreciate you more than you know. To everybody that's listening, to everybody that's contributing voice notes. Hope y'all have a great day. Hope y'all have a great week. Peace. Trying to get it and she know they got me I watch her feelings watch me As they staring with the saddest eyes of loneliness Look each other in the face and barely blink I tried to make it right but the pen ran out of ink So if my letters don't reach you I hope these lyrics in sync Where are we going? Why are we slowing down? Where are you going? We should be growing now That's what it said to me but that place I call ambition now dead to me Gone and forgotten I'm off track like Dale Earnhardt My liver rotten Alcoholic tripping Fucking bad bitches And they got bad intentions Club night guys and dolls Balling out but I'm about to drop the ball I'm calling out for help My engineer called Told me come to the studio I wanna tell him Nah Where are we going? Why are we slowing? Where are you going? We should be growing now. 
that's what he said to me But that place we call heaven unfair to me Only 144 can go 7 billion people on planet earth today Is it something that I don't know? I know to follow him, rather following people Or follow vanity, cause that means I'm following evil Guess I'm following evil, I should follow cathedral Blessings I need, but live like I don't need you Where are we going? Why are we slowing down? Where are you going? We should be growing now So in conclusion, we all seem to stumble Planning our own demise Forgetting the big picture and making it while it's size So to what's important in my life, I apologize I promise to stay faithful, focused and sanctified We all get distracted The question is, would you bounce back or bounce backwards? Would you not know how to act or take action? It's just a part of life And if your vision's impaired, you probably lose it all tonight I'm trying to visualize how to get it right But my vision's so blurry Trying to slow it down Stay close to the ground, but we're always in a hurry now And if I could make this world spin a little slower Then I would, then we could grow a little closer I think we're getting closer I think we're getting closer Once again, I uh, thank Jay for his um, great words about the show and making great points about one of the artists I've been talking about on this platform, on my Legends of Sports and Music, and great words he talked about and said about Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick is a motherfucking genius, all right? He could take a love song, like the song I just played, Growing Growing Apart, him and Janae Aiko, and it, it starts off with, him talking about him and his lady and how he's cheating on her and how she's crying at night because things aren't working out, how the place he used to call home is just a bed to me. We don't even sleep. Neighbors could hear her weep. Meanwhile, he's in the streets with everybody. He's and he's cheating on her left and right with one woman after another. Then he flips the song. In the middle of the song, He starts talking political, sort of. And when I hear this, he goes, that's what he said to me, but that place we call heaven's unfair to me. Only 144 can go. Seven billion people on planet Earth today. Is there something that I don't know? I know to follow him rather follow people or follow vanity because that means I'm following evil. Guess I'm following evil. Evil, I should follow cathedral. Blessings I need, but live like I don't need you. So in the middle of the song, Kendrick goes from it being a song about him and his girl growing apart and having these difficulties and him being unfaithful, her crying to sleep at night. It goes from a heartache song, a song about two people growing apart, to a political and spiritual song. And in the history of hip-hop music, I only know one other artist that could get away with such a a radical switch in the middle of the song, and that's Tupac Shakur. And I've said this for the last nine years. 
that Kendrick Lamar is our modern day Tupac Shakur. And the first time I heard a Kendrick song, not that I, I had I had heard of Kendrick, but I had never listened to his music until the summer of 2013, a week to 10 days after my son had left to go to Florida. I was cleaning out his bedroom, putting stuff away. And on his dresser were two were two CDs. And it was the first time that I'd ever heard both Kendrick Lamar, because on my son's dresser was the CD, Good Kid, Mad City by Kendrick. And Tyler, the creator's, Tyler, the creator's uh, debut album, Goblin. I saw both of those and I started playing it and I was like, oh shit. See, the last few years my son lived with me after he graduated from high school in 2010 until he bounced in 2013. We weren't talking like we used to. When he was a child, my son and I used to talk about everything. He introduced me to Kanye West. He introduced me to Lupe Fiasco. I introduced him to the Whispers and the Spinners and the OJs. He loved old soul music. And I loved the hip-hop that he loved to listen to, that he liked listening to as a little boy because it was different than that coke rap bullshit that they were, that high lifestyle bullshit that they were playing all over the radio. After he graduated from high school and he got more involved with the women he was dating and his friends, the type of music he listened to went more towards rock music and he began dealing with with white people that I didn't fuck with, that I had nothing in common with. So, you know what, I'm not going to tell him who he can hang out with or who he can't hang out with. But he and I were not seeing eye to eye on many of things the last three years and I was I, I would try and help him with his uh, school work with his college uh, uh, work and I would check his papers from time to time but he was secretive about that he no longer talked to me about women and what he was doing um you know I gave him freedom because he was he was he, legally he was a uh, he was of age, and as long as he didn't disrespect my mother, who was staying with us under my roof and followed the rules, everything would be copacetic. But towards the end, he began, because I think he already had in his mind that he was leaving, he began to violate the rules of my apartment. He was having women over when I wasn't home, and my mother kept quiet. She didn't tell me I'd have to find out the hard way. And two weeks before he bounced the 4th of July weekend, I went to Atlantic City with, with a woman I was seeing. I left on a Friday. When I came back Monday morning, he was laid up in bed with a woman and he had two other women in his bedroom. I mean, not two other women. He, had a, he was laid up in bed with one woman and he had a friend and his girlfriend lying on the floor, right, in some type of sleeping bag in their bedroom. And I, I was like, what the fuck is this? I threw them motherfuckers out. I was like, Peter, what the fuck are you doing? And my mother confessed confessed that those women were walking around the apartment in their panties and bra, 
fucking disrespectful. The fuck raised these bitches? And excuse the language, but that's how they were acting. Like bitches. Two weeks later, he was gone. That That's how far our relationship had splintered. I bring that up because in this song, you hear Kendrick and the woman he's messing with. Well, not messing with, that he's involved with, that he's in love with. Their relationship is messing, messing with is the wrong terminology because it's a song about a couple that's falling out of love, but they were in love. Growing Apart is a deep song. It's also the first time I ever heard the beautiful voice of Janae Aiko, who, in my opinion, is an underrated talent. I know a couple of years ago on social media, people were actually trying to compare to Sade. No, they there will never be another shot day, ladies and gentlemen. Let's stop the bullshit. But Janaina Alright is a very, very, very great talent. Love her voice. One of my favorite love songs of the last decade is While We're Young. Beautiful ballad. Love that song. So, back to what I was saying about the legendary Ken, uh, Kendrick Lamar. He could take a love song and make you think outside what's going on in that love song here spiritual he had in order for his relationship to work he's got to be closer to god and that's what he's saying and growing apart because in parentheses the song is to get closer so how do they get closer well him seeking spiritual guidance and seeking help from the lord and i wouldn't be surprised if this song was about Whitney, but then again, I'm not sure if him and his fiance Whitney were together 12 years ago. Um, I, th- I think they met in high school, but I wasn't sure. I'm not sure if they were together since high school, but it could be about her. Anyway, we go on to the next voice note by Lala, frequent contributor to the to the podcast, and then we will play opposites track, and we'll talk about it on the other side. I appreciate Kendrick Lamar's music because he's one of the more conscious rappers. He speaks on social injustices. He speaks on our history. He seems very aware and authentic to me. Now, I know there'll never be another Tupac, but in a world where 90% of the rappers come out trying to be Tupac, I feel like Kendrick Lamar might be the closest one we had to him. And... What I like about him is that he's inspired to uh, he's inspired by Tupac. I don't really see him trying to actually be him. So kudos to Kendrick. Usually I would pick another song as my favorite song of his. But today I'm going to go with Be Humble because I find myself saying that to me, to myself quite frequently lately. And. I feel like that's always been a part of my life because life is full of highs and lows. And there's been times where I just couldn't see how I was going to make it out of a situation. I had very little. But instead of complaining, I always acknowledged that I had to just be grateful that I did have what I actually had. And then there's been times where, you know, I was blessed abundantly and doing better than everyone around me that I had to not be 
big-headed or boastful. I had to make sure I looked out for those who needed it, you know, and not let, you know, any of it go to my head. So I feel like being humble is like a religion I should practice. I can't put that on anyone else. And it's funny because I often meet men, you know, that always want to press upon me with their financial assets. And I always found that kind of funny, like, or very weird and disturbing, to be honest. And a lot of times I was probably in a better situation than them or, you know, but I still didn't, you know, give off that persona because I knew as quick as I got it, no matter how hard I worked for it, it was as quick as it could be taken away. So thanks for having me. And um, I'm excited to hear this new rendition of the Kendrick Lamar podcast and happy thanksgiving To go out, but you'll never ask me why you slipping Sarah name when we having sex. Why you always assuming that I still like my ex? Every time we get into it, I'm the one that's feeling stupid. You don't need me, you gon' leave me. That's your favorite threat. Why you never know how I feel to be lonely? Why I feel I'm the last option after your homies? Why you always gotta know that how I never let you go, even though you get violent and put your hands on me sometimes. Uh uh-huh.
want to be left alone, but she's beautiful. Like sometimes when I have things on my mind, she's the perfect person to listen. And she only gives advice, she says, when I give her a She says she loves me. Like when I wake up in the morning, she's sitting on the edge of the bed with a plate of food. Wanted to feed She says she needs me. She says she loves me. Or like when I'm stepping out of the shower, she's standing there with the towel. Lala also making the same point I I made, and you'll hear some other people make it, is that Kendrick reminds us of Tupac, even though Kendrick is not trying to be Tupac, but you hear the Tupac influence in Kendrick. And like Lala said, you've had a lot of rappers in the last 20 to 25 years try to be Tupac. None of them are. Kendrick, in my opinion, is the closest thing I've seen to Tupac Shakur when it comes to introspective, introspection, introspective lyrics, lyrics about life, lyrics about love, lyrics about relationship, lyrics about politics and the plight of the black man, the plight of young black men in particular. And in opposite to track, he takes the point of view of a woman. This song is a woman. He's looking through the eyes of a woman who tries to do whatever she can for the man she loves, yet she continues to be shitted on. Like he goes. And so he said, because she is saying, he says, because Kendrick is speaking from a woman's point of view. Why you gotta be so kind-hearted? kind-hearted why you couldn't be a con artist why you couldn't why you couldn't be mischievous or just a little devious the moment we first started why you never asked for nothing just a little time why you let me use yours because i don't got mine now all our lives and i'm talking about the brothers out there all our lives we look for a beautiful woman who is not materialistic who's kind-hearted, and who loves you for who you are, not what you have, not what you have in your pockets, not what kind of car you drive, not what, not what, not what type of crib you live in, what kind of crib you live in, what your bank account looks like, what kind of job you have. No, she loves and adores you for you. I always look for that in a woman. You know, it's, it's a rarity. It's a rarity to find a beautiful woman with a beautiful soul. I've been lucky that I've dated several in my lifetime, but I know a lot of brothers that haven't. I know a lot of brothers that they can only get a woman because of the materialist, the materialistic things they can give that woman. In this song, 
the woman is like, I'm giving you my all. I'm not asking any nothing but a little time, and yet you're shitting on me. You are cheating on me. You're even hitting me. More on domestic violence later on in the podcast because faithful listeners that are fans of this program know that recently domestic violence hit home in my life. And I'll talk more about a about that later on in the podcast. But here it is. The woman, it's the dream woman. It's the woman, the the type of woman that our mother wants us to be with, that our fathers would have loved to have had and who they think they had in your mother. And your mother could have been like this type of woman you're looking for. You know, they always say, I'm looking for a woman like my mother. Well, if your mother was kind-hearted and gave to your father and loved your father unconditionally, this is what you are searching for. And yet, in this song, the man is shitting on that no matter how hard she she tries. And then later on in the song, Kendrick talks about the woman responding to this man saying, how come you can't be mischievous? How come you're not devious? How come you, 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 you love me? How come you adore me? And she goes back and she responds by saying, well, why do you treat me like this? Why do you cheat on me? Why do you even hit me? Eventually that, eventually, fellas, you treat a woman like that, that love is going to die. And I've been lucky, I've been blessed to deal with women that were not materialistic. And even if some were, like my my, my ex Vonette, she's very materialistic, but she didn't love me because I could afford to get her those things because she made, as a nurse, she made much more money than me. Right. But she loved me because of the fact that I was always there for her, the relationship with her son. That I that I uh, cultivated. I made her laugh. I still make her laugh because a couple of days ago she called me asking for a favor and, and, I, and I did her the favor. And then we were we were talking about things and, I, and she brought up something that uh, I made a mistake on and she called me Mr. Magoo and I started laughing and she's like, she started laughing. So that sense of humor is what really drove her to love me. My sense of humor, how, to, how I can make her laugh. And now uh, my latest girlfriend, Mia, I make her laugh all the time and I do things for her that her ex-husband would never have done in the years they were married. All right. And she loves how her four-year-old daughter and I have bonded and she sees my genuine, genuine love of children. And she's a lot like the woman in this song where She'll cook for me. I didn't ask. She will cook for me. You know, she'll she'll uh, text me 7.30 in the morning. Are you feeling okay? Even though I'm dead asleep. Uh, uh, on my last, on my latest Keep Sweat podcast, she I was recording 4 o'clock in the morning. She didn't know I was up. She didn't know I was recording a podcast. She called me out of nowhere. 
But then again, I'm 54 years old. All right, and I and I've been acting like this since my late 30s. When it when it comes to women, when it comes to women. Um, when I was younger, I'm not gonna lie. I took for granted um, a woman's love for me on a few occasions that end up blowing up in my face. And for those uh, devoted listeners, you've heard me talk about those examples. I'm not going to repeat them here. Think something like this. uh, Men, especially black men, have to uh, learn through trial and error and learn after two, three, four mistakes like I have. But, uh, this is a masterful song, and Kendrick brings out how you have a good thing, and you push it away. And I think many of these songs that you hear in this podcast, he's talking about the love of his life, the mother of his children, Whitney, his beautiful fiance, um, because they went through issues, and it was always because of his wandering eye. And he's a superstar. And look, I'm not making any excuses for Kendrick. He's on the road and women throw themselves at him. You know what? It's one thing for women to throw you throw themselves throw themselves at you. For women to throw themselves at you, it's another for you to respond. And you know what? I'm not gonna be a hypocrite. Cause if I was 24, 25, 26, look, I had no money and I was cheating left and right on my son's mother. So I can just imagine Kendrick, a multi-millionaire, one of the biggest names in music. Just imagine the amount of women that chase him. So I'm not going to uh, be the uh, pot calling the kettle black. But I think from the last few years, Kendrick has realized and from his last album, Mr. Morale and the Steppers. We will be talking about that. We'll be talking about three songs from that album later on the podcast that he's gotten past that. And now he is devoted to his woman, to Whitney and their children. And I commend him on that. And I commend him on being honest throughout his career about his infidelities and about his mistreatment of the love of his life. Now we're going to go on to a voice note from my Chicago sister, Shay Jones. And we're going to talk about a very, 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 very touching song called No Makeup. And afterwards, I'll talk about how this song hits home. Hey, Rob. Uh, this is your girl, Shay. I just wanted to thank you for doing this tribute to Kendrick. And like I said in our message, I'm not, you know, the biggest uh, Kendrick historian and know that much about uh, dissecting his music. I think there's pods that do an excellent job of that. But just giving him tribute, I um, started listening to him uh, when good kid Matt City hit. Uh, around 2011 through 2012, I think. I went back and listened to Section 80. 
Um, he is something special and I appreciate what he has brought to the culture. Um, Mr. Morale and uh, Big Steppers is an excellent project to me so far. It's a perfect amount of balance. Um, I appreciate him being so raw and so vulnerable and just taking time out to go and live life and, um, you know, bring these experiences to us in this art form. Um, I really appreciate it when artists do that. It's, um, you know, I, 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 it's about balance for me. I enjoy the surface level stuff, the party stuff, the turn up stuff. But uh, what Kendrick brought last week on that album was some real life stuff. And, you know, I just appreciate him for digging down deep, uh, dealing with, um, you know, daddy issues and mental health and fidelity and, um, you know, the black community once again, and, you know, all the issues that was on his heart. Um, and that's what I like, uh, when artists do, they give us what is on their heart. And, you know, once it's out here to us, we judge it, we, you know, like it, don't like it or whatever, but I appreciate them for getting what they get off their chest, whether we like it or not. Um, I feel like that's a release for them. And, you know, um, thank him for sharing it with the world. So um, I'm not, you know, like I said, 100% dissected all the songs, but um, I appreciate the package for what it is. I appreciate the brother Kendrick and, um, you know, just what he brings to the culture. And I don't know when we're going to hear from him again, because, you know, these things are are visceral for him when he when he puts out an album is you know it's, it seems like it's really tied to his heart and his consciousness so you know um he might have to go live life for another 10 years before we hear anything again but that's fine i want to sit with this and i'll um, just appreciate it for what it is so looking forward to hearing what you have to say on the pod and thank you i love the way you put it on your eyes the roses on your face light up the sky Those lips are colorful all of the time And girl, that's fine But I wanna know, do you mind? No makeup today No makeup today Early in the morning, she resembled a model hiding for MacBook. Concentrating on the way the eyeliner thickens. I stand behind her and try to figure her vision. Her prettiness, the wittiness of colors on her skin tone. Her complexion in the direction I've outgrown. Damn girl, why so much? You about to blow your cover when you cover up. Don't you know your imperfections is a wonderful blessing from heaven is where you got it from. I love your smile, you can do it without style. From your lips all the way to your eyebrows. It's the beauty in her, but when the makeup occur, I don't see it, all I see is a blur. Put it on your eyes. The roses on your face light up the sky. Those lips are colorful all of the time And girl, that's fine But I wanna know, do you mind? No makeup today No makeup today No makeup today No makeup today And girl, that's fine But I wanna know
she about to ask me how she look I tell her beautiful and how long it took For you to put it on It was early in the morning She was in with a model out of a MacBook Concentrating on the way my eyeliner thickens You stand behind me and try to figure her vision My prettiness, the wittiness of colors on my skin tone My complexion in a direction I've outgrown I feel like it's not enough I can never put on too much makeup Yeah, I know Your imperfections I be constantly stressing From him is where I get it from They tell me I need to smile At least once in a while I hate my lips, my nose, my eyebrows It's the beauty in me But what he don't see Is that I had a black eye To be continued, 11 Once again, thank you, Shay. Shay originally sent that voice note in six months ago. This voice note was on the original Kendrick Lamar podcast that no longer exists. This is the revised edition. But um, what she said six months ago is still pertinent to this day. Kendrick, a genius. And once again, his genius is brought to the light with No Makeup. No Makeup is a song about him talking about a woman that he sees at work every day or wherever he sees her all the time, whether it's work, school, whatever. And he's telling her how naturally beautiful she is, right? That, um, and how even with the makeup, she's even more beautiful. She resembled a model out of a MacBook Concentrating on the way the eyeliner thickens, I stand behind her and try to figure her vision. He's behind her, looking to see her in the mirror as she applies the makeup to see why she does what she does with the makeup. Of prettiness, the wittiness of colors on her skin tone, her complexion in a direction I've outgrown. Damn girl, why so much? You're about to blow your cover when you cover up. Meaning, you're a natural beauty. You don't have to put on all that makeup to enhance your beauty. Matter of fact, you're not enhancing your beauty. You're making yourself less attractive with the makeup. And makeup for a woman is supposed to enhance your beauty, not distract us from your beauty. Well. As the song goes on and continues, we know why she is wearing the makeup. At the end of the song, 
you hear the lyrics. I love the way you put it on your eyes. The roses on your face light up the sky. Those lips are colorful all of the time. And girl, that's fine. But I want to know, do you mind no makeup today? He's asking her. She's a natural beauty. Don't wear no makeup today. Her answer? Her answer? I hate my lips, my nose, my eyebrows. It's the beauty in me. But what he don't see is that I had a black eye and then boom, he cuts off the song. And he goes with the with the hook. You don't have to. You uh, and you you ain't got to get drunk to have fun. And you ain't got to get drunk to have fun. But we find out the reason why she wears an overabundance of makeup is to hide her facial scars from being battered by her man. Now, I'm not going to go into full detail, but. If you want to hear the full detail, my Maxwell Tribute Podcast, the first 15 minutes, I talk about what happened to my new girlfriend and how she was brutally beating by, beaten by her ex-husband when we were supposed to go out on our first date. He had been stalking her, and he accosted her at, the, at her car, and he put her in the hospital, and he was arrested, and he's... He's uh, confessed to assault and battery. So he's about to be sentenced in a couple of weeks. So uh, my girlfriend Mia was hospitalized that night and she was in the hospital for an entire week. When she came out the hospital, she invited me over to her house and we had our first official date at her house with her, her sister and Mia's four-year-old daughter, Nori. We had a wonderful time. We had a wonderful time. And that night, and there's a week after her, her assault, she had no makeup on. And even though she still had bruising on her face, she was healing up. It would take another seven to ten days before she completely healed after our initial date that night. But that night, even through the bruising, even through the scars that were still on her face from that bastard who beat her ass, I could see the natural beauty. But what made her even more beautiful that night when I was at her house was the way her and her daughter communicated with each other how she and her daughter hadn't seen her since she was hospitalized. The last time her daughter had saw her was the morning before she got beaten. And you see the love between the mother and the daughter. They hadn't seen each other in a week, and it was so moving. Ladies and gentlemen, most of my life, I have dated women with children. All right? I love women with children and now i've never dated a woman with more than two kids uh my ex vonette has a son he was 12 when i met her and we bonded right away uh my ex-girlfriend asia had two daughters when we first started dating her daughters were two and 10 and i bonded with them real quickly i, I looked at them as 
uh, girls that I wanted to defend, make sure that nothing happened to those girls. I, I, I have a thing for women that are great mothers. Why? Well, my mother was a great mother. My mother sacrificed a lot to make sure that the four of us, my, me being the oldest and three siblings, ate every day and had clothes to go to school because uh, of my father's shortcomings because of his addictions to alcohol, cocaine, and heroin. So because my mother was such a great mother, I'm attracted to women who are great mothers. Later on in the episode, I will talk about a date I went on with a woman who wasn't a good mother, and it totally, totally, totally grossed me out. And despite the fact that she was a beautiful woman, it doesn't matter. You could be near long in her prime. If you're a bad mother, I ain't fucking with you. When I hear no makeup, and, I, and the, the young lady in the song talks about the, put the makeup to cover my black eye, I think of Mia. And then she went back to work seven to ten days later, and her face had cleared up. The scars were gone. And as naturally beautiful as she is without the makeup, she's even more beautiful with the makeup she now I've been lucky the women I've dated that are drop dead gorgeous always enhance their beauty with makeup Vonette uh, Mia my ex-girlfriend Antoinette uh, my ex-girlfriend Asia dark skinned beauty she never needed any makeup never needed any makeup because she was naturally beautiful with her beautiful dark skin my ex-girlfriend Tracy, she was a drop-dead gorgeous beauty, enhanced her beauty with makeup, and she didn't wear much. She didn't need much. Just, just like Mia. So uh, no makeup. Another song in which Kendrick raises the bar and he talks about issues. Look in this in this podcast. We're I'm gonna talk about songs with Kendrick produced wrote and rapped about subjects that no one dares touch today. Subjects that Nas in the past has touched on, Pac touched on, um, J. Cole has touched on, Lupe Fiasco has touched on, but it's few and far between today. Shout-outs to Kendrick Lamar for making such a powerful song, No Makeup. Now, Going to hear from my buddy, comedian Macho, Saginaw, Michigan native, now living out in Vegas, doing his thing in Vegas. But I'm recording this on November 25th. November 26th, the day this comes out, Macho has a sold-out show in his hometown of Saginaw, Michigan. So kudos to the comedian Macho. We're going to hear his voice note, and then we're going to hear one of the most powerful songs in hip-hop history. Talk about it on the other side. Peace, family. It's comedian Macho. Man, shout out to my brother Rob Silver. Asked me to share my thoughts on the artist Kendrick Lamar. I'm a big fan, man. 
Uh, I first remember hearing Kendrick. I, I think I was kind of late to the party. I think I first heard him on Game's uh, album. I think it was the Red album. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but when I first became a fan of Kendrick was on the Self Made 2 album, that Maybach Music joint. He was on the first song, Power Circle, when he closed out the posse joint, and his verse was just so amazing. I'm like, oh, man. So, you know, then I went back, got Section 80 and uh, Overly Dedicated. And when Good Kid, Mad City dropped, it was a rap. I was already a huge fan, man. So, uh, yeah, I love Kendrick. I love his new joint, man. It's one of them albums you got to sit with, man, because Kendrick, man, he, he don't just get in the – he don't get in the studio and just make songs, man. He put together complete, conceptual, thematic albums, so you really got to take your time listening to Kendrick music right now. So I won't rate it or anything like that. I'll just say that I'm really enjoying Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Incredible project, man. So one thing about Kendrick, though, is, man, like he, he gets emotionally vulnerable and transparent. You know, he gets very personal. And I understand why he don't drop music very often, because, man, after you drop a project like he just dropped, what you going to say next year? <laughs> like, I mean, I, I appreciate that he actually goes out, lives, has experiences, goes through things, recovers from things, gets through things, and, and, and then comes back and, and, and brings us the story, man. So I'm a huge Kendrick Lamar fan, man. I love his music. I love what he stands for. And I actually met him. I actually met him February 14th, 2020, right before the pandemic. I was supposed to marry his sister, I know that's going to sound wild, and that's the headline, but I was supposed to marry Kendrick Lamar's sister. I was actually supposed to officiate his sister's ceremony. She got married at one of the chapels I do ceremonies at. Um, I was actually supposed to do it, but another minister actually filled out the paperwork, so I was unable to perform it. But I did meet him. I spoke to him. I wanted. I should have told him he was special, man. That's like one of the things I would really. But he know. He know he's special, man. He was super cool, man. But yo, that's Kendrick Lamar in a nutshell. This is comedian Macho. My thoughts on the kid K dot. Peace. One take, hove. Fancy girls on Long Beach Boulevard Flagging down all of these flashy cars uh, And Lord knows she's beautiful Lord knows the usual's leaving her body sore She take the little change she make to fix her nail cuticles Lipstick is suitable to make you fiend for more She play Mr. Shakur that's her favorite rapper bumping Brenda's got a baby while a pervert yelling at her And she captured features of a woman But only 17, the seven cars start hunking She start running like Flojo Don't care if they Joe Blow If they got money to blow A blowjob is a sure go And sure enough, don't see a dime of dirty dollars Just give it all to her daddy But she don't know her father That's ironic See a block away from Luda's Park I seen the El Camino parked And in her heart she hated there But in her mind she made it where Nothing really matters So she hit the back seat Rosa Parks never a factor when she's making ends meet Fancy girls on Long Beach Boulevard Flagging down all of these flashy cars 
And Lord knows she's beautiful Lord knows the usual is leaving the body sore Her anatomy is God's temple And it's quite simple, her castle is about to be destroyed She's always paranoid Watching the law inside the streets Undercovers and dummies that look like decoys Remember Sergeant let her slide Said if he seen what's between her thighs he a compromise To no surprise she took the ultimatum Round the alleyway and gave him A warm welcome that felt him right below the navel Though he was wired up like a pair of jumping cables His eyes was closed shut prior charges he had waved him It was a block away from Ludus Park I seen a squad car parked and in her heart she hid it there But in her mind she made it where Nothing really mattered so she hit the back seat Cause Rosa Parks never a fact when she tapping off police Fancy girls on Long Beach Boulevard Flagging down all of these flashy cars And Lord knows she's beautiful Lord knows the usual is leaving her body sore As she busts down like a 12 bunk on tour She suddenly realized she'll never escape the allure Of the black man, white man, needing satisfaction At first it became a practice, but now she's numb to it Sometimes she wonder if she can do it like nuns do it But she never heard of Catholic religion or sinner's redemption That sounds foolish, and you can blame it on the mother For letting her boyfriend like Andy under her cover Ten months before she was ten, he moved in And that's when he touched her This motherfucker is the fucking reason why Keisha rushing through that block away from Ludus Park I seen that El Camino Park and in her heart she hated there, but in her mind she made it where Nothing really matters till she hit the back seat Then caught a knife inside the platter, left her dead raped in the street Keisha saw mm. My little sister Eleven, I looked her right in the face The day that I wrote this song, set her down in breath play Fancy girls on Long Beach Boulevard Flagging down all of these flashy cars Fancy girls on Long Beach Boulevard Oh, flagging down all of those flashy cars The Reverend Comedian Macho Damn, that would have been great had he married her Kendrick Lamar's sister and her husband but things happen for a reason by the way macho by the time you hear this you probably would have already had your homecoming comedy show in saginaw i know you killed it because you are who you are ladies and gentlemen macho is the only dude i know outside my ex that can fucking impersonate my voice to a fucking t so macho great brother from saginaw living out in vegas He's in Saginaw, the day you hear this, having a triumphant return. And I tell everybody, Saginaw, Michigan, right? You got, what you got, Draymond Green, you got Stevie Wonder, and you got the comedian Macho. (laughs) And uh, by the way, reason I played Macho's voice note before Keisha's song is because at the end of this song, Kendrick mentions his sister, talks about he had his sister listen to what happened to Keisha's to, to Keisha and Keisha's song. Keisha's song would have never happened if you didn't have a Brenda's Got a Baby. You hear the influence of Tupac Shakur in Keisha's song. You hear the influence of Brenda's Got a Baby. At the beginning of Keisha's song, Kendrick talks about the young girl who's a prostitute, who's making a living being a prostitute, saying her favorite rapper was Mr. Tashakor, and she's pumping Brenda's Got a Baby. And eerily, 
the same fate that happened to Brenda happens to Keisha. And Kendrick points out and writes and rhymes about a song that hits home and it gives me goosebumps. In the history of hip-hop music, it's only been a few songs that have given me uh, goosebumps. Brenda's Got a Baby, John and Lee Forever by Lupe Fiasco, It's Your World by Common, Runaway Love by Ludacris, and Keisha Song by Kendrick. He paints a masterpiece here, and it's a dark story of a young girl who, in order to survive, in order to survive, she's selling her ass on the street. And despite the fact that she's a prostitute, Kendrick continues to emphasize how naturally beautiful she is. And Lord knows she's beautiful. Lord knows she's beautiful. Lord knows the usuals, leaving a body sore. And the hell that she goes through, through each story he talks about, through each verse. Uh, a miss, an undercover cop threatens to arrest her, but if she sucks his dick, he'll become Mr. Police, Mr. Let Sergeant Let Her Slide. He let her slide. And then as we go on in the song, Kendrick points to the time in which her mother's boyfriend molested her when she was nine, ten years old. And that started her erosion from that point on. And then not too far after, not too soon after that, she became a prostitute. And it has been documented that a lot of women who are sexually active, who turn to prostitution, who sleep with many, many men at the same time, all come from a sexually abusive family. I will talk about one that I dealt with later on in the podcast. This song is dark, but this song is needed. We need songs like this to point out the ills of what occurs to black children, especially black women in America. Without songs like this hitting us in the face, we can easily, easily ignore this type of stuff happen that this type of stuff happens. I've had two exes who turned to prostitution after becoming addicted to crack cocaine. I dated this girl named Sharon when I was 15. Her and I the same age, we were 15, back in 1983 in the Millbrook Project. She lived on the second floor, I lived on the eighth floor. And um, we dated for about a year, 
and then we grew apart. Then when I was 18, I went to New Orleans to go to college. When I come back to New York for good in 1989, three years later, Sharon has a six-month-old baby, and she's addicted to crack. One time, I'm walking home from work, and she stops me in the street, and she tells me that for $10, she will suck my dick. Man, that shit hurt, because this was a girl that I used to like a lot, that I used to fuck with. And Sharon was built like the women you guys know I like. Short, thick, with a pretty face. You know, Sharon used to have a big booty. When she stopped me, she must have been 50, 60 pounds lighter than when her and I dated when she was 15. At this point in time, she was 21. She she looked horrible. She looked looked like somebody had taken a vacuum cleaner and swiped those 50 pounds off of her. What did I do? I gave her a $20 bill and I said, Sharon, take care of yourself. And I kept walking. That should have been a mistake. That was a mistake. Because every time she saw me after that, she was like, you got any more money for me? I was like, Sharon, go get some help, please. And then from 1991 to early 93, she, on several occasions, she would overnight sleep in front of my door, in front of my apartment door. And my parents would come out and my mother would complain. And my mother would be like, I don't know. My mother's like, oh, I, 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 guess, I guess your dick must be that powerful for her to be sleeping in front of the door. I said, Mom, that girl is sick. Leave her alone. And my father threatened her. And my father used to look down on Sharon. And I say, Pop. Just because you've never smoked crack, you're no different than her. You are a cokehead. She's a crackhead. But you know what? You're falling in the same family. Finally, sometime in 93, 94, she was sent to jail for prostitution. She came, she came back and she was clean in 96 when I saw her. She had gained her weight back. She got her figure back. And she was in a program, and last time I ran into her, about four or five years ago, she had been still clean. The sad part is that her son, because he was ridiculed by his friends, oh, your mother's a crackhead, blah, 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 he rebelled, and he's been in and out of prison his entire life, and the young man is only 33, and I ran into him last about eight years ago because I had just started dating Vonette. So, yeah, eight years ago, he was 25. He told me he had just come home, and it's crazy how things come full circle. He was like, yo, Rob, how you been doing, blah, blah, blah. And I asked him about his mother. How's Sharon doing? Oh, yeah, she's, she's still with she's still with, her, with my stepfather, uh, I forgot I forgot homeboy's name, but she started dating this dude after she got out of jail and 
he's been with her ever since. Oh, up until the time I ran into her son, Nathan. He was a good dude. And he was he was a former drug dealer. And he wasn't taking no shit from dudes trying to rip on his woman. He loved her. And I got to give him credit. What credit's due. Because a lot of dudes are not going to wife a woman that has been with several men and was a crack addict and was diagnosed with HIV. She's HIV positive. So I got to give him credit for uh, loving a woman like that. He didn't have to. That's true love there. Because I'm going to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, I could never look past a woman's past of being a prostitute, a next crack addict, and having HIV positive. As much as I love women, as much as I would fight for a woman, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I can't go that far. This dude is better than me. And man, I forgot my brother's name, and I wish I remembered his name. But every time I saw him, I used to give him a pound and a hug when, whenever I come out the building, I see him with Sharon. And he knew I was an ex-boyfriend of his because he he was he was like, yeah, she said you was one of the few good dudes. She, you you ever dealt with? I said, look, man. And I told him this the last time I saw him when I was moving out of the neighborhood 17 years ago. I was like, bruh. Don't don't commend me. Yeah, you you love how I'm a, uh, I'm a, uh, that I take care of my son in the whole nine, but I would never have done what you did. You are a better man than me. And he tried to help Nathan, but Nathan didn't want to hear from him. So back to seeing Nathan eight years ago. This was when I right after I first started dating Vonette. Talk about things coming full circle. When I first ran into his mother after coming home from New Orleans, and seeing and she wanted to uh uh for ten dollars give me fellatio and i told her no gave her 20 i saw nathan that day and nate was like yo i just got out of prison blah 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 i'm trying to do the right thing i said nate hold up i gave Nate. i, I didn't even think i didn't realize the full circle moment till later i said nathan here i gave him 20 dollars. i said nathan go get you something to eat here's my number call me i can help you find a job and Nathan's eyes lit up. He took the money. I introduced him to Vonette. And then he went his merry way. Unfortunately, I never heard from Nathan again. And I don't know what happened to Nathan. I wish he would have called me because I would have hooked him up with a job right then and there. But he never called me. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that he wound up okay. If I ever find out, I'll let you guys know on the podcast. Either the positive or the negative. Then my son's mother, Missy, in November of 94, I discovered that she was a crack addict, and I've talked about this on several podcasts. And I packed up my shit, took my son, and left her. We moved back in with my parents. She didn't last six months in that apartment without me paying the bills. She lost the apartment, and then she started selling her ass on the street and dudes would come up to me talk about yo your your baby mama sucked my dick for five dollars i was like all right well that's your problem <laughs> don't don't bother me she's not she's not i'm not with her anymore she, she's free to do whatever the fuck you want to do and she lost her figure she had an incredible figure that figure went away from smoking crack and I left her in 94, so we're talking, god damn, 28 years later, 
she's still addicted to crack and she looks like if the devil took a shit on your face and it stayed on your face. That's how horrific she looks. And my son had to find out the hard way when he was a little boy that his mother was a prostitute and it used to hurt him and affect him. He would cry about it. He'd have nightmares about it. And unfortunately, years later, he too became addicted to drugs and alcohol and it led to an early death. He died at 29. Meanwhile, his mother's 53, and she's still out there acting like a fucking fool. Damn. All right. On to the next voice note by my brother Dre from Cincinnati. Then after that, we will hear the song Shireen, a.k.a. Master Splinter's Daughter. We'll talk about it on the other side. Back in 2010, Kendrick Lamar came up on my radar due to some mixtapes that I had received from a couple of my boys who were DJs. But he really started to come in my subconscious, I would say, in 2012 with two songs. One with the game called The City. That record was so hot. It was the, like one of the first tracks off that game album I played numerous times over and over and then of course the classic women weed and weather with him and dr dre back in 2012 i would say that was 10 years ago and it's been going pretty strong since then kendrick lamar is definitely a man his own rhythm his own flow his own style not trying to be cool not trying to be hard just speaking about the days and times of this city to you a sinner, and I humbly repent for my sins. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe in raising from the dead. I will ask that Jesus come in my life and be my Lord and Savior. I receive Jesus to take control of my life and that I may live for him as this day for Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me with your precious blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Dropped the number, we chirped the whole summer, and well, the 
summer had passed and now I'm liking her Conversation we having probably enticing her Who can imagine maybe my actions will end up wifing her Love or lust regardless what fuck cause the trife in us It's deep rooted the music of being young and dumb It's never muted in fact it's much louder where I'm from We know a lot about each other Her mother was a crack addict She lived with her granny and her younger two brothers Her favorite cousin Demetrius is irreparable Family history of game banging did make me skeptical But not enough to stop me from getting a nut I wanna come over what's up That's what I told her soon as this episode A Martin go off I'm trying to get off I was a heat like a cactus, my tactics up being thirsty probably could hurt me But fuck it, I got some heart Grab my mama keys, hopped in the car, then the old bar So now I'm down Rosecrans in the caravan Passing Alameda, my gas meter, hit me for pump I got enough to get me through the traffic jam At least I hope, cause my pocket's broke, as I promise man I'm thinking about that sex Thinking about her thighs, or maybe kissing on her neck Or maybe what position's next Sent a picture of her titties blowing up my text I looked at them and almost ran my front bumper into Corvette Like Curtis Jackson for ransom I'm hoping to get her loose Like an Uncle Luke anthem I'm two blocks away 250 feet And six steps from where she stays She waving me across the street I pulled up a smile on my face And then I see Two niggas, two black hoodies I froze as my phone rang I want to thank Dre personally for being a loyal listener of mine for about a decade now on especially my boxing podcast. First when I did World Championship Boxing and now while I do the Fight Game Media Pound for Pound podcast. Dre is a great sports fan, a hardcore boxing fan, and a hardcore music fan. Hip-hop and R&B. So a salute to Dre and salute for being a loyal listener, big man. And a good dude. Good dude. A couple of times we talk off air. It it's been a it's been it's been a pleasure. And we both did a LeBron James podcast together that you can check on this platform. As uh my uh, my lady keeps texting me. Um <laughs> I'm not gonna share those texts. I'm gonna be a good boy. Anyway, back to uh back to Dre. We did a part one podcast on LeBron James. Both are we are both very busy, so we've got to find a way to fit in a schedule to do part two 
of LeBron James' iconic career. Now on to Shireen, a.k.a. Master Splinter's daughter. Great storytelling by Kendrick. Once again, a great story of him. The story about a young man who's dating a chick who's a whore. Not that she's getting paid, but that she's sleeping around. And she sets him up, and he gets kidnapped at the end of the song. He gets kidnapped probably by her cousins who were gangbangers. Now, what I love about the song is you hear this song. The song leading up, he's he's a 16, 17-year-old kid whose hormones are out of whack, and he can't wait to go over because she's invited him over to her apartment to go get some ass. I mean, men out there, we've all been 16, 17, and you know that your dick is rock hard at 16, 17 when you know you're about to get some pussy, right? And Kendrick knows he's about to get, to, about to get some pussy. Well, when he shows up, he gets a rude awakening. He gets kidnapped. And the genius of Kendrick Lamar, he turns a very dark song into a song with levity. At the end of the song, you hear Kendrick's real-life parents trying to reach him because they're looking for the car. The, he's driving his mother's car. And you hear Kendrick's mother, and she's phenomenal. Damn, Kendrick, pick up the phone. Kendrick, I need my car. These kids are hungry. I got to go to the office. Got to go to the welfare office to get her face-to-face done. And I can relate to this song because in my youth, my adolescence, my mother had to go on welfare whenever my father was unable to work due to his addiction problems. And she would have to go to the welfare line. And she, I even worked in the welfare office that she, for a summer, summer of 83, when I was 15, my first job, I worked as a maintenance worker in the very South Bronx welfare office that my mother would go to get recertified for uh, food stamps and welfare. So she's like, I got to get the car back. I got to drive and get this welfare money. And then go to the supermarket because your sister, your brothers and sisters are starving. These kids are hungry. Not knowing that the reason the song, the, the song, the, the the phone call went to voicemail was because her son had been kidnapped. And then Kendrick's father, Kenny, gets on the phone. And he's like, yo, Kay, where my damn dominoes? I told you a long time ago, get my dominoes. And his mother's like, Kenny, stop it. That's his voicemail. He ain't hearing you with his voicemail. And then the parents get to an argument because they are arguing over which of their issues with Kenny's more important. Her needing the car to go get the, the food stamps and the welfare to buy food for, for, for the kids, for the family, and him wanting his dominoes. <laughs> oh, this is brilliant. This is motherfucking brilliant by a kid. He takes a song that takes a dark turn and then flips it into comic relief at the end. And kudos to his parents for knocking it out the park. Love this song. Love this song. And Hey, look, man, I admit I'm a dinosaur. You know, I'm 48 years old. I don't listen to much or any at all of uh, new hip hop that's coming out. Uh, 
Kendrick was out for a while before I even paid attention to him. I just, I just didn't feel the need to. But 2017, he released Damn. You know, I said, let me give him a, let me give him a shot. You know, he had been anointed, you know, the next great, you know, West Coast rapper. But his style is not like anybody who came out of the West. Uh, he has a style all of his own. So, you know, he, he's a throwback to lyrics and storytelling. You know, not just, you know, I'm a, I sold a hundred keys, you know, my bitch, my chain, my diamonds. He's a storyteller. Damn. Love lost. Damn. All of us. Give me a run for my money. There is nobody, no one to help run me. So give me a run for my money. Spin bubbly, feeling lovely. Living lovely.
I want to be with you. Hey, I want to be with you. Oh, man, I love the song Love. Um, great Hooks by Sakari. And Kendrick in a very, very, very awesome hip-hop ballad. I love this fucking song. And I love it even more today than I did six months ago when I first recorded this podcast. This is a revised edition. Because this is hitting home as how I'm feeling today with the new love of my life. I mean, I love it when he goes, give me a run for my money. There is nobody, no one to outrun me. So give me a run for my money. Sipping bubbly, feeling lovely. Just love me. I want to be with you. Hey, I want to be with you. Kendrick talking about, I'm on the way. We ain't got no time to waste. Popping your gum on the way. Am I am I in the way? I don't want to pressure you none. I want your blessing today. Oh, by the way, open the door, by the way. Told you that I'm on, on the way. <laughs> Reminds me of when I'm leaving work and headed to my lady's uh, beautiful apartment out in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. <laughs> I love it when it goes, damn it, we're jamming. Bad attitude from your nanny. Curves in your hips from your mammy. Yes, my lady got her curves and hips from her mammy. You ain't lying about that. I mean, I, this song is so fucking home. I had to do it. I want your body, your music. I brought the big one to prove it. I want your body, your music. My lady used to try and be a singer back in the day. She's 37. I think she was 22, 23 when she made an attempt to sing. She could sing her ass off because uh, she'd be singing to me on the phone. She got a beautiful voice. Her voice matches her, voice matches her, be- her natural beauty. I, I fucking love this song. This song is beautiful. And when I hear this song, I can't help but think that Kendrick wrote this song for his now fiance and mother of his two children, Whitney. Definitely, he had to have written this song about Whitney. Um, A lot of these songs that Kendrick writes when it comes to love and relationships is probably, and I'm pontificating here, based on the relationship he's had with with Whitney. Because if you know anything about Kendrick, Whitney is really his only true relationship that he's talked about that we could decipher from his private life. Now, I know he's mentioned in his music and even his most recent album about the many times he's been unfaithful to Whitney and the fact is that she should have left him a long time ago. But those were all superficial one-night stands, or even if they were more than one night, there was no love behind it. The woman he's always loved and the one true love of his life is Whitney. And I love them as a couple. I, I love their vibe. And I, I, whenever you see them on TV or you see pictures of them on the web or wherever, you see a genuine love. You see him smiling and her smiling, and you can tell that that's unconditional love. You can tell that that's black love. You can tell that that's a love that is so strong that they've been able to survive his uh, proclivity to go outside the marriage. Well, they're not married. They're engaged. They eventually will get married, I believe. But uh, matter of fact, 
they live together, so they all but married. It's just not official. They haven't walked down the aisle, but they're a couple. They're a married couple, basically. But as I was saying, ladies and gentlemen, especially the, the brothers out there that are listening, there's nothing stronger for a black man to help them get through the day, to get through the hell that we have to go through in America than the love of a good woman. The love of a good woman helps you heal with whatever hurt you may be ongoing from your past sins, from past events that caused you to undergo trauma. I was lucky this year that I've been involved with two women that helped me overcome quite possibly the worst year of my life. My son passed away in March and my girlfriend at the time, Vonette, was there for me in my darkest hour when he died. She was she was there for me. We broke up. A few weeks after we broke up, my mother fell ill and almost died twice while being hospitalized for seven weeks. During this time period, while Vonette and I weren't seeing eye to eye, her and I exchanged texts the night that my mother was on life support, and she told me, God's not through with your mother yet. You'll see. And the next day, she awoke from a coma, and I have to give her, and I told her. I, have, I told her this recently. I give her all the credit for uh, helping me through that night when we were texting each other back and forth. And now, my new lady, Mia, I met her at a time when I was no longer with my lady and my mother was still sick and her sense of humor and her love of life and just her, her being so damn radiant. I always told my ex Vonette, she's the most beautiful woman in the room all the time. Well, if Vonette and Mia were in the same room at the same time, flip a coin because that's how beautiful both women are on the outside and inside. They both have internal beauty. It was no longer, it was no longer, it was no longer, I want to say this correctly. It was no longer right for Vonette and I to be together because of the, of the problems that we couldn't overcome. The, the, the major issues, there was two major issues that, one, one she had with me, one that I had with her that conflicted and one could not be rectified without the other. So, and, and I'm not going to go into it. It's just irreconcilable differences we had to part our ways. Mia has been a breath, fresh, fresh breath of air. Fresh breath of air. And at a time when I needed Someone with her presence, someone with her attitude, someone with her love of life in my life. Boom, she appeared. I want to be with you. I want to be with you. We joke, we laugh. And man, ladies and gentlemen, when you in a relationship with a man or with a woman or with same sex, whatever you, whatever floats your boat, whatever you prefer. If laughter is not involved, what's the fuck you with that person? 
if your significant other doesn't make you laugh, all that person does is upset you and takes you for granted and, and uses you and only sees you as a sex object, what's the point? You got to laugh. You can't be crying all the time with the man or woman you're with. You got to laugh. You got to enjoy life. And that's what I've always brought to the table in a relationship is my ability to say the craziest shit to make the woman I'm with laugh their fucking asses off. This song, Love, is such a beautiful song. And Kendrick pouring his heart out. I'm on my way. I want to be with you. Yeah, I want to be with you. Oh, and I didn't mean to neglect my Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee brother, Michael Angel, for another great voice note. He gave me this voice note six months ago. And Mike, like I told you, this is a revised edition of the Kendrick Lamar tribute podcast where I revisit some of the stories with some new stories and some new facts about Kendrick on this podcast. Man, this is a masterpiece from an album that garnered Kendrick the first and only Pulitzer Prize for a rapper, for a member of the hip-hop industry. That's amazing. That's incredible. And don't forget the incredible Grammy performance he did with the with, with, with oh, man Kendrick is a fucking genius man and I love I'm glad that I was alive to see this man perform that I accidentally ran into that CD after my son moved out and played his music and I've been a fan ever since and in my opinion he's grown with each album and he's grown more intellectually, and he's got that intensity that's needed in hip-hop. I hate coke rap. Fuck cocaine rap. Fuck luxury rap. Fuck sex rap. Give me rap about real-life issues, real-life relationships, political situations, right? Kendrick gives me all of that. In a time, like Lala said earlier, where you don't have social conscious hip hop, where over 90% of the rappers that you hear on the radio or, or, or see on video or perform are doing mis mis misogyny rap, coke rap. I'm tired of hearing that shit, right? I'm tired of it. Then again, I'm 54 years old. If this is what the 21, 22-year-olds like, well, you know what? They're being brainwashed by the powers that be because, like I've said many a time, these corporations feed you music that they won't let their own kids listen to, right? They feel they're, they're uh, feeding us the worst hip-hop imaginable. I can't stand it. But of course, you know what? I can't tell young people anything. They, oh, but the music's great. You don't understand. I've been hearing the same nonsense since 1996 
where I hear it, where I hear, oh, but the the, the beats are great. You got to get past the lyrics. No, I no, I can't. No, 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 I can't. No, I won't. No, I don't. I don't support bullshit. I don't support music that is X-rated, music that is vulgar, music that is poison. Shout out to Kendrick Lamar for giving me medicine when I needed it because too much fucking poison is permeating the air. The next voice note is from my uh, Detroit brother, Tay. He sent in this voice note six months ago. And then we're going to play We Cry Together, talk about a deep fucking toxic song, and we'll discuss it on the other side. Rob, Rob, what's good, bro? It's Tay Ray, Tay Tarchi with Neho Tejada. I just want to sing this memo about um, the Kendrick album. Man, so on first listen, here go the funny thing. On first listen, what people would consider the bops like Die Hard and Rich Spirit and songs like Silent Hill, them songs that really stick out to me on the first listen. The first listen, the super deep songs stuck out, stuck out to me like United in Grief, um, Cry Together, We Cry Together, um, Daddy Issues or Father Time, I should say. Um, Auntie Diary is still my favorite song on the whole joint, like right now. Um, Mother I Sober, um, that shit made me cry on first listen, not gonna lie. That shit made me cry first listen. That and uh, Mirror, um, you go through this album, man. Um, Kendrick opened up his journal and, you know, gave us insight into his live therapy sessions. Like this album is a healing guide bro this is a uh, this different um this shit hit different um i would even go on to say i don't know good kid mad city is a masterpiece even um to pimp a butterfly <clears throat> similar sonically um a masterpiece but this right here the content in it make it so much different man um but then you do got songs like silent hill like rich spirit like Die Hard, that's like bops, like radio bops, bops that the kids can dance to, but the message, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, in my own storm, man, Silent Hill hit me so different. And count me out, count me out, and Silent Hill hit me different today than it probably would have a year ago, you know? And so I just appreciate the album. Um, I appreciate what he gave us as a as a community, but as a black man, just I identify with this shit in in a different way. You know what I'm saying? And there's some shit that, like, I've been saying this, like, Tupac, my favorite rapper of all time, but I can't say Tupac gave us one of these. Now, he was very young when he died. He didn't get a chance to live like Kendrick did and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? It's not that it's impossible, but I give niggas, I got to give people credit for what they do. <clears throat> and Kendrick just entered the top five dead or alive room with this album period like i don't think it's too many niggas alive who top five dead or alive and so for kendrick to be a part of this generation and enter that room big deal man uh shout out to you in the pod bro keep doing your thing i love you man hope you and the fam doing good
sounds like. You wanna bring a nigga down, even when I'm trying to do right We can go our separate ways right now, you can move on with your life Fuck you nigga, you love a bitty party, I won't show up Always act like your shit don't stink, motherfucker grow up Forever late for shit, won't buy shit, sit around and deny shit Fuck around on a side bitch, then come fucking up my shit Fucking up your shit, you must be bleeding and some more shit Bitch, I don't know shit, fuck your feelings You want some whole shit, see I don't know why you like playing my Bitch, I ain't slow nor dizzy. I know when you being distant. I know when you fake dizzy. Get out your feelings and miss me with that reverse psychology. Man, bitch, you tripping. Who got you that roly chain? And who put that car in my name? But you think I'ma kiss your ass? Nah, nigga, you fucking lame. You know what? Fuck you, bitch. Fuck you, nigga. Nah, fuck you, bitch. Nah, fuck you, nigga. Fuck you, bitch. Nah, fuck you, nigga. Nah, fuck you, bitch. Fuck you, nigga. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, nigga. And I held your ass down You just kept me down, that's a big difference Stressing myself, trying to figure why I'm not good enough Going to church, praying for you, searching for good in us Little dick-ass nigga that's trying to go big But you were sucking his dick, though Well, shit, I should've sucked his What you said? I should've found a bigger dick Bitch, get the fuck out my face Oh, what, you mad? Shut up, bitch, you got me fucked up today, oh God uh -huh, you mad, little feelings is shot Go text that raggedy bitch and telling you all that she got They gon' be the day you walk to that bitch Give me my fucking keys Nah, I like you parked in that bitch Give me my keys, bro Oh God, you ain't getting these keys Give me my fucking keys Ah, now you mad at me I got you hollering for nothing I do the same when we fucking Act like that pussy ain't loose I'd rather act like I'm coming I'd rather fuck off the juice I'd rather fuck on your cousin Bitch, you said you gon' fuck who? You heard me, nigga, right. it's nothing You know what? Fuck, fuck you, nigga. bitch Fuck you, bitch Nah, fuck you, no. nigga Shit couples do should've thought about cuffing you Nigga, you dirty and you broke Oh, you goofy and gunnable mm, The insecurities you got won't mind fuck me Womanizer got no affection from your mama, I see Don't speak on my mama, the fuck is your problem? That bitch don't like me anyway Bitch, she gave you the Honda And uh, use that shit to throw it in my face yeah, Find it funny, you just can't apologize Egotistic, narcissistic, love your own lies Bro. See, you the reason why strong women fucked up Why they say it's a Fuck up, we are.
hell you still playing this music? Said I'm tired of these emotional ass, ungrateful ass bitches. Fake innocent, fake feminist. Stop pretending y'all sentiments ain't really then what you defending. It's a split decision. Bronze like you, you and real Look victims. Let's talk the truth. Okay. Women in general just can't get along. Hmm. When Tosh got a man, you didn't pick up the phone. Explain, nigga. Uh -uh. When they got a job, you said you stay at home. Explain. Uh -uh. Why RB bitches don't feature on each other's songs? What the fuck is you talking about? Never mind, bitch, I'm walking out. Whatever, nigga, I'm off you Your now. Your evil ass kept me well in doubt. Pussy, nigga, best watch your mouth. Pussy and mouth is all you got. Lay this pussy back on the couch. Doggy style, then you get on top. Fuck me, nigga. I'ma fuck you, bitch. No, fuck me, nigga, fuck me. I'ma fuck you, bitch. No, fuck you, fuck me. You playing, man. Fuck me. Nah, you playing. Stop tap dancing around the conversation. By the way, I want to thank uh, Ty. Tay. I apologize. I'll call you Ty. I want to thank Tay. Because eight months ago when my son passed, he reached out to me on Twitter. He DM'd me on Twitter. And he said some very encouraging and well-thought words. And I appreciate you, Tay. Appreciate your voice note here. And you've said in the past, you've compared Pac with Kendrick. And how you felt uh, Pac never got to that level of realizing his full spirituality on record. Like Kendrick has done. And especially in his last album, where you could tell Kendrick has reached the apex of his career. He's a true artist. He's not your stereotypical rapper of the last 25 to 30 years. He's a deep thinker. He's a free thinker. And we cry together. Once again, he has a woman shine more than he did on a song. I mentioned how in All the Stars, SZA shined. How in the song he did with Janae Aiko, what was the name of that song that, that um I played earlier today? Uh, Growing Apart, Janae killed that song. And in We Cry Together, he doesn't. First of all, this is not a hip-hop song. This is a full... How many minutes is this? This isn't a song. This is an almost six-minute argument between a man and a woman, a black man and a black woman in a toxic relationship. And Taylor Page, with her phenomenal acting ability, is sensational throughout this entire song because you hear the pain of a black woman who is frustrated that the man she loves continues to let her down over and over and over again. And you hear from the entire, the entire sketch, the entire five and a half to six minutes, that there is a constant mistrust between the two. There are things that haven't been worked out that need to be worked out in order for this relationship to be a healthy relationship. This is a toxic, unhealthy relationship 
that is centered around the fact that they can please each other sexually. The only reason they're together, ladies and gentlemen, I don't believe that there is true love in We Cry Together between this couple. I believe this is a couple that is sexually attracted to to each other, that are used to each other, that know how to make each other climax, but they also push each other's buttons to the point where their arguments become very personal and full of hatred. And you hear the hurt in her voice. And she's damn near crying in this song and she's acting. And to listen to this song, and it's not even a song, I keep saying song, to listen to this sketch, to this great acting out of a toxic relationship that Kendrick and Taylor do, you see, once again, Kendrick in a song mirroring the reality of black lives. The reality of relationships we all been to. I was in that type of relationship with my son's mother. We were either fucking or fighting. Right? I've said this many a time. I never loved my son's mother. When I first met her, I was like, I got to get with her. I did everything I could to get her. I was a dirty Mac motherfucker. I did whatever I could to steal away from a drug dealing bitch ass boyfriend. And once I got her, once we had sex, I took her for granted. I'll be the first to admit that. And I cheated on her several times. We get into fights about it. And I would never admit to it. She was like, I know you was with I know you was with some bitch tonight. And I'd be like, Well, you believe what you want to believe. I'm gonna sleep on the couch. We'll talk in the morning. And she'd want to start an argument. And we'd we'd argue. We'd argue. And man. I didn't want to argue. But I argue. Today, ladies, I don't I hate to argue. I hate to argue with women. Vonette used to hate the fact that I wouldn't argue with her. That she would be getting on my ass and I'd be like, okay, and I would try to appease her by saying, okay, no, all right, I, I understand. And I was just trying to appease her. I didn't understand, but I didn't want to argue. And that frustrates and That frustrates women that I've been with throughout the years that I don't like arguing because I argued enough for two lifetimes with my son's mother because every night it was something different. And I'll admit, many of the time, many, many times it was my fault. And I'd say some foul shit. And she'd be screaming, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with you. And I'd be like, well, tell me to leave. I'll take my son and I'll go. Oh my God, fuck you, Robert. For a long time, I thought my first name was fuck you, Rob. My full name was fuck you, Rob Silver, because those were her favorite words coming out of her mouth. Fuck you, Rob. Fuck. Oh, my God. And I've heard that term many a time from many different women. I hate to argue. I hate to argue. And it all stems from that relationship. And... Since then, I've tried to keep the arguments and the toxicity of 
screaming at a woman to a very minimal. Now, when Vonette and I broke up, man, the very last conversation we had before we broke up, I exploded because I got tired of being blamed for every fucking thing wrong in the relationship. Unfucking real. Um, haven't had an argument with Mia yet, but th- that'll happen. That'll happen, and um, it's going to be interesting to see her reaction when I do do something to upset her, and she starts. I don't know what she's like in an argument because we haven't argued yet. I know she got upset one time because I was playing with her, and I told her because one time about a week ago. Well, seven to ten days ago, I wanted to come over after to her house after I finished work, and she was like, "No, I gotta get uh my daughter ready for school, and when she sees you, you're gonna be coming to my apartment too late, and when she sees you, she gets happy, and then when you leave, she's not gonna want to go to sleep because it's true that's happened, and I understood, but you know I really wanted to see my baby, but I understood, so I went and said, "Damn, yeah." Boo, Mia. Boo you, Mia, for saying that, for not letting me come over. And she was like, boo me? Boo me? Why boo boo me? No, don't. I hurt her feelings. I hurt her feelings. And um, I quickly apologized because I have a sharp tongue. And I say things thinking it's a joke, not knowing how the other person takes the joke. And so I have to be conscious. And I've said that since I started dating her, that I have to be self-conscious of what I say to her. I don't want to come out and say something because I have said some bitter things to women. And and my father and mother used to always say this, and it's true. Uh, Words hurt more than a physical punch or kick. Right. It stings. It could it could stay there for a long time. And in this song, we cry together. They are saying some hurtful shit to each other over and over again. You're the reason why R. Kelly is abusive. Oh, I should have fucked your cousin, or I should have gotten I should have gotten a bigger dick. Uh, he's like, oh my god, oh man. There's a they, they, there was a thing in there where you said, you know, your mother never liked me, which is true with my son's mother. My mother, from the first time she she met Missy, was like, Robert, she's a Jezebel. She's fast. I can tell just by looking at her. But look, I'm not going to tell you who to sleep with, who to go out with, but she's trouble. <laughs> Mothers know. Mothers know. Man, what a fucking powerful song. And the song ends with them fucking like rabbits, which many a time when I was with my son's mother, whenever we got into an argument, like I said, we were the fighting or fucking. After the fighting was over, after the verbal sparring was over, then I'd be hitting her from the back. And things looked like they were okay. They weren't. The underlying issues were still there. But the main issue was I never really loved her. I was in lust. Because I've said this before and I'll say it again. 
if I was truly, truly in love with my son's mother, when I found out she was addicted to crack, I would have gotten her help immediately. If that was Vonette and she had a drug problem, I'd rush her to a clinic. I'd get I'd 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 get her help. If that was me right now, I'd do that. But with Missy, the minute I found out she was smoking crack, that was my excuse to get out the door. I grabbed my son, grabbed my shit, and I got the fuck out of there, which was the right thing to do because I had already seen the damage that crack. This was 1994. I had seen the damage that crack had been doing to people that I knew, to the community I lived in, to the communities all over New York City and throughout the country since 1984. For a whole, it's been, it was a decade of genocide created by the United States government with the help of the CIA, Ronald Reagan and George Bush. So while it was an excuse, I knew that there's no way in the world I could raise my son around a crack addict mother. And I did my best when it came to my son. You know, I never smoked a cigarette in my life. Never smoked any weed. Never drank. I've to this day I haven't had a drink in my entire life. I didn't want to make the same mistakes around my son that his mother had made and my father, his grandfather, had made. But um our children are gonna find out on their own the dangers. And they're going to make their own decision about using or not using stimulants. He found out the wrong way, and unfortunately, it led to an early death. Now, the next song will be a, oh, I, I love this. My, my favorite song off of uh, Mr. Morale. First, we're going to hear one of my favorite people on social media. Ariel is going to give a voice note, and then we'll play Purple Hearts, and we'll talk about it on the other side. Hi, Rob. This is Ariel. Uh, beforehand, I just wanted to tell you to excuse my voice. I am just getting over the flu and strep. Um... But regardless, I hope you and your family are well, especially especially your mother. And also, before I wanted before I get started, I just wanted to thank you for the time that you put into doing this podcast. Um, I look forward to listening to the podcast every week, and I really enjoy listening, like while I'm working or cleaning. And I've learned so much about many of my favorite artists through your podcast, and I can relate to a lot of the stories from the callers. So. Just want to let you know that I appreciate you, your work, and your knowledge. So about the long-awaited Kendrick Lamar album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Um, it had been several years since Kendrick's last album release, so I was really excited when this came out. And while Kendrick made some questionable choices regarding some of the features on this album, I still enjoyed most of it. And my favorite song by a landslide would have to be Purple Hearts. Um, when I first heard this song, I put the album on play, didn't look at the track list or anything to see who was featured. And so I was listening to this song and vibing, and I heard Summer Walker. And 
I love Summer Walker's verse. She has a beautiful voice and she had so many quotable lines in her verse alone. Like the kind of quotes, you know, for girls to put as their Instagram captions. Like, it ain't love if you gonna judge me for my past. No, it ain't love if you ain't never eat my ass. Or if you keep lurking on the low, if you're a fan, just let me know. And then my favorite line as an introvert and generally antisocial person is, that's why I'm anti-everyone before this mask. It's a beautiful verse and Summer sounds like an angel singing it. So after that, the song progressed and the final verse and the best part of the song, in my opinion, begins. And when I first heard it, I was literally sitting there with my mouth like wide open in shock. Like, is that, is that Ghostface? Like, no way. And I switched from Twitter where I was live tweeting the album as I listened to look at Spotify and sure enough, it was him. I was so happy to hear Ghostface on a song, especially with a popular artist from a different generation. It's really good to see artists from newer gen generations paying respect to and collaborating with older artists who were pioneers. So this really made me happy to see a collab between, you know, both generations. Ghostface killed his first and his favorite part or my favorite part on his verse was I did dirt smack death and held it to that nigga cabbage. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm definitely going to see this song on my Spotify wrapped this year. Um, and not to, um, you know, minimize or not point out Kendrick's work on this song. It's, you know, his song on his album and his verse was great as as well. But I just really love the song all overall. It was a dope song and a decent album. And again, Rob, thanks for having me. And it's always an honor to participate. Sevens, I ain't ready for no coffee I know y'all love it when the drugs talking But shut the fuck up when you hear love talking Shut the fuck up when you hear love talking If God be the source, then I am the plug talking Yeah, baby Yeah, baby Yeah, baby Yeah, baby This my undisputed truth Uh-huh my life is like forbidden fruit My bitch know better than I do A woman's worth I barely went to church I'd rather fast with you Than fuck it up Fucking with skirts Cause I'm rational A nigga still gon' be a nigga Emoji heart My family pictures Two stepping away from rappers I don't trust that true intentions I'm not in the music business I've been in the human business Whole life been social distant Hoes like when you not tripping I up the party Who said they saw me? Crown on by Molly Risk on your body They gon' judge
judge your life for a couple likes on a double tap Them hoes is sorry, they all get bodied I bless it that you have an open heart I bless that you forgive, I bless it that you can learn from a loss I bless it that you heal, I bless one day that you attract Somebody with your mind exact, a patient life Flaws bless them twice, and they bless you back Keep it going and I'm gonna walk Rolling sevens, I ain't ready for no call Talking to the mind is God's cipher, dividing a small portion. Uh, faded pictures, this global madness, the intervention, this world's in the twilight zone. This is the fifth dimension. God, please blow the whistle. We need an intermission. My good deeds in front of your door. I'm standing by the entrance with heavy baggage. My brother's ashes. I seen tragic. I did dirt, smack death, and held it to that nigga cabbage. No. We killin' greed, we killin' homelessness And now I don't give a fuck about this land I want ownership Bow your head for just God's sake Listen what the stars say What I say is God's way Keep me torn and I'm unwalking Rollin' sevens, I ain't ready for no coffee I know y'all love it when the drugs talking But shut the fuck up when you hear love talking Shut the fuck up when you hear love talking God be the source, then I am the plug talking Yeah, baby Yeah, baby Yeah, baby Yeah, baby First and foremost Ariel is one of my favorite ladies on Twitter 
She's a great mom. Um, we've talked outside of social media about personal situations between both of us, stuff that we've been through in life. And she's a strong, strong, strong black woman, great mom, and a beautiful soul. And she took all the words out of my mouth when it comes to Purple Hearts. Everything she said mirrored what I was going to say. You write about Ghostface and Summer. Summer does sound like an angel. And you you mentioned her lyrics. You talked about you, it ain't love unless you're eating my ass. And all. I mean, she's phenomenal. So I really will piggyback on what you said, but I'm not going to focus on what you said because what you said was on point and on the money. You nailed the brilliance of this record. My favorite song off Mr. Morale. You said it's going to be part of your top Spotify songs of the year. It's been my number one Apple Music song since June. And it's still number one as of last week because every Sunday morning I check to see what my top and who the hell. Well, you know what? Let the phone ring. That's the house phone, and it's usually somebody that's calling for my mom, and my mom is staying with my sister. So let the phone ring. <laughs> back to the back to the uh Uh, back to back to the podcast. I'm being distracted by the phone ringing. Hopefully it'll end soon. Anyway, back 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 to uh, Purple Hearts. It will be my number one most listened to song of the entire year. I love this fucking song, and this is the second time I'm doing the Kendrick Lamar tribute podcast. It's a re- revised edition, and I can't get enough of this song. Right now, after Ariel spoke, I played it three, four straight times before I started recording this segment. Kendrick, Summer, and Ghostface kill their verses, like Ariel said. And my interpretation of why this song is called Purple Hearts is because all three people who are on the song, all three uh, performers, all three artists, Kendrick, Summer, and Ghost deserve Purple Hearts because in war and in military service, you're given a Purple Heart for surviving the battlefield. If you get wounded on the battlefield and all three have gotten shots taken at them and all three have overcome adversity in their career. Kendrick, for years, shots have been fired at him. Ghostface, for years, Shots have been fired at him. Fired at him. Summer Walker is, is relatively compared to them to a brand new artist, and she's been criticized since coming out. Um, some experts, so-called experts, say her songs are too sexual in nature, or why is she getting her body redone? Ladies and gentlemen, if a woman wants to get her body done, that's her business. I believe that a woman's body and how she treats it is up to that woman. If she wants liposuction, it's up to her. If she wants an abortion after getting pregnant, it's up to the woman. Freedom of choice. It's your body. So all three got deserved Purple Hearts for the shots being fired at them from other artists, from the media, social media. 
people in general. Then we get to the lyrics. Um, my buddy Ariel already mentioned about uh, some of the stuff that Ghostface and Summer Walker said. Well, I want to go through the hook. Because in the hook, the very beginning in the hook that is played constantly through the record, Rolling Sevens, Iron Ready for No Coffin. Kendrick talking about gang culture. And while he grew up around it and his father was a gang member, he did his best to stay away from it. And he focused on his music. Rolling Sevens, I Ain't Ready for No Coffin. Look at the inordinate amount of rappers that have been murdered the last five years. You need a scorecard to keep up with all these uh, rappers that have died. And then Kendrick goes, I know y'all love it when the drug's talking, but shut the fuck up when you hear love talking. The music industry, the record companies, the radio stations, the corporations love pushing that drug talk, that drug rap onto the youth. Oh, this is the shit. This the shit is this shit is banging. So we uh the young people are hypnotized into believing if it ain't about the streets, it ain't good. It ain't banging. So Kendrick and Ghost and Summer sing along too. I know you're loving when the drug's talking, but shut the fuck up when you hear love talking. All right, you love your you love your uh, drug uh rap. Well, go ahead. But when there's when there's songs, when there's hip hop songs about love, like this song's about, shut the fuck up. You can't have your cake and eat it too, motherfuckers. Then he goes, if God be the source, then I'm the plug talking. Now, Kendrick, Ghost, and Summer are taking the fact that drug rap is being pushed onto the consumer, especially young black children and teenagers and adolescents and men in America. So he's using their, the terms that they love to use, drug talk, and flipping it. If God be the source, then I am the plug talking. God is the God is the the supplier of love. Kendrick, Summer, and Ghost decide to be the plug and issue love through this song. Fucking deep. Deep. And Real quickly, I want to talk about Ghostface's incredible verse to end the song. It's fucking amazing. Ghostface, for years, made a lot of money off of drug rap, both with Wu-Tang and as a solo artist. But one thing about Ghostface, like his longtime friend and frequent collaborator, Wei Kwan, they have grown through their music. And they have matured in their music. Listen to my Marvin Gaye podcast. The very first song I play on the, on, on the podcast is a song called Marvin that Ray Kwan did four or five years ago. 
It's the greatest tribute song ever did for Marvin Gaye. Raekwon captures Marvin's entire life in one four-minute song. Ghostface in this song kills it. Ariel talked about I seen the, the verse when he goes, I seen tragic, I did dirt, smack death, and held it to that end's cabbage. And then the rest of the song is just as powerful. Love, we killing greed, we killing homelessness. And I don't give a fuck about this land. I want ownership. Bow your head for just God's sake. Listen when the stars say, when I say it's God's way. Oh, he kills that line when he goes, God, you hear the emotion. You hear that he means it. Just amazing. Just fucking amazing. This song is a five mic masterpiece. This might be the greatest song Kendrick ever did. And it's just my opinion. He's got a lot of great songs. This right here shows the growth of an artist by Ghostface. It shows the continual, continual evolution of Kendrick as a poet laureate of hip hop. And like Ariel says, it features the angelic vocals of Summer Walker, a very talented young lady who I hope continues to gain more and more success as an R&B soul artist. I thank Ariel for her contribution, and she helped me break down this song to a T. Now, um, the next voice note is... Uh, Frequent uh, collaborated with me on the show. We've done two podcasts together. Uh, Raphael from Detroit, a black-owned grocer. He owns a grocery store in Detroit. Um, great father, great man, period. The dude is outstanding. He's an outstanding young man. Doing big things in Detroit. Hopefully, he'll have a chain of grocery stores. A black grocer. We need more black grocers. Shout out to Rafa. Great father. Great entrepreneur. Great man, period. We're going to hear him talk about the greatness of Kendrick. Then we're going to hear the most powerful song from, from Mr. Morale and the most powerful song I'll be playing on the show. What up, though? Rafa Wright. AKA Big Rafa Pump from the east side of Detroit. Um, tapping in to speak about Kendrick Lamar um, in totality. Uh, he has put on a show for the world and has a, a body of work that can rival anybody. Um, the greatest of the great in our genre and the greatest of the great in all genres. Um, I was a little late to the party with Kendrick. Um, I was still heavy on like my gangster rap shit and you know local music stuff like that. Kendrick came a little later for me as I got older. Um, music speaking to me becoming a better man was something that you know I was really gravitating towards. So like J Cole and Kendrick's were uh, slipping into my my playlist a little bit more. Um, to Pippa Butterfly, um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's some of the best shit I've ever fucking heard. And 
it's still something that I listen to, you know what I'm saying, to this day. All these years later, that's something I know I can lean on and I play it to I, my plants listen to it, you know what I'm saying? And I even have my little daughter, you know what I'm saying, you know, grabbing a snippet or two of some of that. But this new album is great. I'm still grabbing nuggets from it, so I'm still dissecting it and I still have to listen to it a little bit more. But from what my ears is telling me, man, it's a great album, you know what I'm saying? And my mind has got to grab the messages and all of that. But overall, man, it's still speaking to a person that is getting ahead of their trauma, their pain, and just becoming a better person. And in my journey right now as a 33-year-old man, um, just striving to be a better man, better father, better son, better boyfriend, husband, whatever, um, that music is hitting at home in a way that the industry don't quite understand, but of the conscious rappers or just the, the, the real rap, he on top of the list. Um, I'm super duper excited to hear what's to come. You know what I'm saying? He got his new imprint or, you know, label situation now. And I'm, I'm hoping that he become like that J. Cole type of figure that put on others in a big way. You know what I'm saying? So I'm super duper excited. I'm super duper proud um, and happy to be a fan of Kendrick. But I won't be long and can't wait to listen to the pod. Everything I feel, everybody, one man standing on two words, heal everybody. Transformation, then reciprocation. Karma must return. Heal myself, secrets that I hide, buried in these words. Death threats, ego must die, but I let it purge, pacify. Broken pieces of me, it was all a blur. Mother cried, put their hands on her. It was family ties, I heard it all. I should have grabbed a gun, but I was only five. I still feel it, weighing on my heart. My first tough decision in the shadow. Clinging to my soul as my only critic Where's my faith? Told you I was Christian But just not today I transformed Praying to the trees God is taking shape My mother's mother Followed me for years In her afterlife Staring at me On back of some buses I wake up at night Loved her daily Traded in my tears For a Range Rover Transformation You ain't felt grief Till you felt it sober Seven years, everything for Christmas, family ties. They accused my cousin. Did he touch you, Kendrick? Never lied, but no one believed me when I said he didn't. Frozen moments, still holding on it. Hard to trust myself. I started rhyming, coping mechanisms to lift up myself. Talked to my lawyer, told me not to be so hard on myself. He has an aura I hope to achieve. If I find some help, congratulations, made it to be famous. Still, I feel uneasy. Water watching, live my life in nature. Only thing will 
please me Spirit God, whisper in my ear Tell me that she sees me Did he touch you? I said no again Still they didn't believe me Mother's brother said he got revenge For my mother's face Black and blue, the image of my queen That I can't erase Till this day, can't look her in the eyes Pain is taking over Blame myself, you never felt guilt Till you felt it sober Never drunk, never held my mind, I need control They handed me some smoke, but still I declined I did it sober, sitting with myself I went through all emotions, no dependence Except for one, let me bring you closer Intoxicated, there's a lustful nature That I failed to mention Insecurities that I project Sleeping with other women Whitney's hurt, the pure soul I know I found her in the kitchen Asking God, where did I lose myself? And can it be forgiven? Broke me down, she looked me in my eyes Is there an addiction? I said no, but this time I lied I knew that I can't fix it Pure soul, even in her pain Know she cared for me, gave me a number Said she recommended some therapy my mama why she didn't believe me when i told her no i never knew she was violated in chicago i'm sympathetic told me that she feared it happened to me for my protection though it never happened she wouldn't agree now i'm affected 20 years later trauma has resurfaced amplified as i write this song i shiver cause i'm nervous i was five questioning myself long for many years nothing's wrong just results on how them questions made me feel i made it home Seven years of tour, chasing manhood, but Whitney's gone. By the time you hear this song, she did all she could. All those women gave me superpowers, what I thought I lacked. I pray our children don't inherit me and feel inside track. A conversation not being addressed in black families. The devastation haunting generations and humanity. They raped our mothers, then they raped our sisters. Then they made us watch, then made us rape each other. Psychotic torture between our lives, we ain't recovered. Still living as victims in the public eyes. Who Pledge allegiance, every other brother has been compromised I know the secrets, every other rapper sexually abused I see them daily, burying they pain in chains and tattoos So listen close, before you start to pass judgment On how we move, learn how we cope Whenever his uncle had to walk him from school His anger grows, deep in misogyny This is post-traumatic, black families and a sodomy Today is still active, so I set free myself From all the guilt that I thought I made So I set free my mother, all the hurt that she Titled shame, so I set free my cousin chaotic for my mother's pain. I hope Hakeem made you proud, cause you ain't die in vain. So I set free the power of Whitney, may she heal us all. So I set free our children, make a karma, keep them with God. So I set free the hearts filled with hatred, keep our bodies sacred as I set free all your abusers. This is transformation.
Once again, thank you, Rafa, for that great voice note. And I'm going to try my damnness to try to get with you to collaborate on another show. We were talking about Chris Jericho a few months back, doing a tribute podcast on Chris Jericho, trying to get see if I could fit you in for January, February, because you're busy and I'm incredibly busy. All right. Mother Eye Sober. How do I start this? I want to attack the song, but there's a there's an incident in my life that directs dealing with this song. Well, let me let me deal with the song first. The lyrics are probably the most powerful lyrics Kendrick has ever written and rhymed about. This is just a this is just him cleansing his soul. This is a soul cleansing song. He talks about how. They thought his parents, his family, thought that his cousin had sexually molested him when he was five years old. And Kendrick kept denying it, saying it didn't happen. But the doubt stayed in his head and it affected him for the rest of his life up until a few years ago when he sought therapy. And he talks about finding out that the reason his mother was scared that he was sexually molested was because she was sexually molested. Kendrick talked about wanting to kill the man that sexually molested her, but he was too young. He talked about how his uncle, her brother, got revenge for his mother being violated. He talks about how dealing with this incident kept affecting him the older it got even after he became rich and famous did he oh didn't he get molested he was questioning even though he knew deep down inside it didn't happen he praised his black lawyer saying that he wished to get his aura wished to be like him one day his lawyer being very confident and had an aura about him that kendrick admired and idolized he talked about how because he was unsure whether or not he was molested, that he made up for it by sleeping with tens of women, breaking his woman Whitney's heart, and that she forced him to either seek therapy for his sexual addiction and for whatever happened to him in his childhood, or she was going to leave him. It's very rare to find a woman as beautiful and as loving and as strong as Whitney has been to Kendrick throughout their entire relationship. He made the right decision. He sought therapy. And then he goes on an incredible rant about how 
our slave masters raped our ancestors, raped our children, raped our mothers, raped our fathers. And that rape culture seeped into our culture. Talked about how young black men get traumatized when they see the uncle that sodomized them picking them up from school. Here we go again. The old the old joke, and it's not even a joke, it's sick. It's always the uncle. Then Kendrick goes on an incredible rant towards the end when he forgives everybody that abused people in his family. And he ends it with, this is transformation. A powerful song. A powerful song that hit home. And it hit home so much that I am going to read a poem after I talk about the incident that this song brought back concerning a woman that I met in the summer of 1997. I met this beautiful woman from Barbados. She was the same age as me. We were both 29 years old at the time. Her name, D'Angela. D'Angela and I met on the subway. Uh, for those who don't know me, I'm shy. I never knew how to approach a woman, like get up and talk to a woman, rap to a woman. So I'd always do a trick in order to get the woman's attention. I saw this beautiful, dark-skinned, Naomi Campbell-looking woman sitting on the subway by herself. So I walked over, and I had a Vibe magazine. And people who remember from the 90s, Vibe magazines were very big magazines. They were large. And I pulled open the Vibe magazine. And this was the summer of 97, so there was a big picture of Biggie. In the article that I was fainting, that I was reading, that I fake read, that I was fake reading, just to catch her attention. And she saw the picture and she started looking in the magazine. And after a, about 15 seconds, I was like, oh, you, you want to you wanna look? You want to read the magazine? I handed her the magazine and she smiled. And she was like, no, I have a subscription to the Vibe. Um, I, I, when I get the magazine, I'll read it. I said, oh, so you, 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 read, you read Vibe magazine? Who's your favorite artist? And then we had a conversation. And it was the Uptown Six Train. We started talking around 103rd Street. At that time, I lived in the South Bronx. My stop was Cypress Avenue. Her stop was further up. I believe her stop was Soundview Morrison Avenue on the Six Train. So Cypress Avenue was coming. 138th Street. Then Brook Avenue, and after Brook, I was like, look, I got to get off the train. Nice to meet you. And I handed her my work number. This is my number at work. Call me. We can continue this conversation. While, while I was saying it, my fucking butterflies in my heart was pumping because I'm not used to doing this. I, I've always had a hard time trying to, with, with pickup lines. I, but she was like, okay, I'll call you. I didn't believe she was going to call me even though she smiled and gave me a nice smile left. The next morning, around 9.30, she called me. She said, Robert, this is D'Angela. We met yesterday and we talked on the phone. Now, at this point in time, I was supervising 
the file room in a foster care adoption agency, a private foster care adoption agency on 29th Street and Park Avenue South. It was called Shelter in Arms. And so for two hours, we talked on the phone and I neglected my work duties. And we talked and I told her all about my son, who at the time was about to turn five. This was a couple of weeks before my son's fifth birthday. And we talked and we talked and I told her everything about my son, what happened with my son's mother. And um, she told me that she was in the military, that she used to run track in high school. And, and, and that's why she's built the way she was built. She was five foot two, looking like Naomi Campbell. And she was telling me about, uh, about how dudes always try to pick her up. But what she liked about me was that I was humble. <laughs> oh, man, that, 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 that really ticked me. So anyway. We talked for two hours, and she was like, you want to come over to my apartment tonight? And I was like, sure. She says, I'll cook dinner for you. I said, oh, man, you don't have to do that. We could just, you know, sit and talk. No, no, no. I'm going to cook dinner for you. Call me when you're leaving work, and I'll make sure everything's ready. Get off the phone with her. I catch up on my work. Got a bunch of files to put away. And man butterflies in my stomach and i was like man i cannot wait to see this woman so um i called my mother and told my mother because she watched my son for the rest of the night have him um and make sure he gets everything done because i'm not coming home late because i have a date my mother's like oh you've got a date well it's about time because at that point in time i hadn't dated anyone after i had broken up with antoinette a few months prior so I uh, get on the train, go to her house, get off Soundview Morrison. She lived on Harrod Avenue in the Bronx at the time. She lived in the house. I rang the doorbell. Out came a 12-year-old girl. She opens the door and she goes, oh, you're Robert? I said, yes. My mommy's upstairs. I'll show you where she's at. We go up the stairs and Ladies and gentlemen, D'Angela never told me that she had a child. I told her everything about my son, but she didn't mention one time that she had a child. It's already one red flag. I go up the stairs. And D'Angela is there, sitting down, and she's reading a book to her four-year-old daughter. So now, not only does she have a 12-year-old daughter, she has a four-year-old daughter. And I'm like, in my head, going, why didn't she tell me she had children? Maybe she had a reasoning. I don't know. But I sat down at the kitchen table, and her and I talked. And she was like, you know, we were talking. We had a nice conversation. And then dinner was done. She said, I'll be right back. Let me serve you. And I said, no, no, hold on, hold on. Serve your daughters first. I grew up in a household where the children were always served first. And she was like, well, I grew up in a household where the man was always served first. I said, yeah, but for all intents and purposes, D'Angela, I'm a stranger. Please serve the children first. She said, all right, whatever. She served the, she, she sucked her teeth like the West Indian way that they sucked it. She sucked her teeth. Then she went and she served her daughters. Now, I know the traditions are different. West Indies, 
Caribbean. I just, I know my parents always make sure we ate first. And looking at her being a single mother with two children, and she told me how she was always trying to make ends meet in the long conversation we had that morning. She had to watch every nickel and dime. She had to make a dollar out of 15 cent to take a quote from Tupac Shakur. And I think it was wise for her to feed a man she just met before the kids. Well, to each his own. But the kids, she went, but what, what, what I said, the, the kids, the kids, ate. and then we talked, you know, and then she told the girls to go to bed. And this was around 830 at night. And I'm like, all right, I'm about to go home. She said, no, 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 no. Come into my bedroom and watch TV. There was no TV in the living room or the dining room. There was only a TV. The only TV in the house was in her apartment. Her daughters didn't even have a TV. The only the only TV was in her bedroom in the apartment. There was no TV in, in the girls' room. Now, the girls' bedroom and her bedroom are side-by-side, side, thin wall. I noticed that. So when we go into the bedroom, I sit in a chair next to the door leading out her bedroom. She sits on the bed and she's like, Robert, come sit next to me. Don't sit all the way over there. How are we going to talk? And I was like, okay. So I opened the door to keep the door open, hoping that nothing happens. I already have an uneasy feeling. She's coming on to me, but I'm, Ladies and gentlemen, I've been very uncomfortable my entire life. Now, one time ever I ever had sex in the house with a woman that I dealt with when the children were around. Even with my own son, I've never had sex when my son was in the apartment. I would either get a hotel room or make sure that there was no children there when I got physical, when I got intimate with a woman. So I was feeling very uncomfortable. I sat down and she leaned over to try to kiss me. And I was like, uh, D'Angelo, your daughters are next door. They're going to hear us. We don't have to do this right now. We could take our time. And she's like, what? And then her 12-year-old comes in and she was like, mommy, I'm scared. And D'Angelo got up and said, what the fuck is your problem? Get back to your room. And her daughter starts crying. D'Angelo whips out a belt and starts beating her daughter with the belt. And I'm like, oh, my God. Her daughter screams, cries, goes back to her bedroom. And D'Angelo comes back into the bedroom. And that's when I got up off the bed. And I said, D'Angelo, I got to get up early to go in the morning to go to work. I got to check on my son. I'll call you tomorrow. And she was like, what? You're leaving me? You're leaving my house after I fed you, after I showed you hospitality. You're leaving? She got real mad. And I was like, D'Angela, I had a wonderful time. I will talk to you tomorrow. And as I start walking out, she starts screaming, fuck you. The fuck's your problem? You are come all the way over here and you're going to act like you don't want me? I went down the stairs, opened the door, and I started running. I started running towards the subway because I don't know what was going on with her. She began to sound unhinged. She had my pager number, and she had my job number. 
Whenever she called at work, I hang up the phone on her. Whenever she paged me, I I ignored her pages. Now, the, the day I showed up at her, at her apartment, when she invited me over, I forgot to mention her brother was there for a few seconds. She introduced me to her brother, and her brother left right before she went to serve dinner. About, let me see, this happened in July of 1997. So later on that year, September, October of 97, I'm riding the subway and I run into her brother. And I felt awkward. And I was like, I was looking to get out the train. And he was like, Rob, don't go anywhere. Rob, I need to talk to you. I said, all right, uh, James, what's up, big man? And he's like, no, we need to talk. So let's get off the next stop. So we got off the next stop and we sat down and he explained to me what had happened to his sister throughout her childhood and early adulthood. And she had complained to him about how she felt that she had pushed me away by her actions that night with her daughter, with her older daughter, with her oldest daughter. He explained to me that she had been going through hell because their father had molested her several times. And I sat there dumbfounded. And James was like, look, it's up to you. You do what you want to do. But I just wanted to tell you that my sister really likes you. And that she's been trying to apologize to you, but you won't take a phone call. And I let him get on the train. As I sat there and I thought about it. I got home and I discussed this with my mother. I told my mother what had happened and what I was acting in. My mother told me, Robert, this woman is troubled. She sounds very troubled. And you're going to do what you want to do. My mother's famous words. She always says, you're going to do what you want to do. You're going to follow your heart. But do you want something like that? A woman with that troubled past in your son's life? Because knowing you, you're going to have my grandson, your son, Peter around this woman, around her daughters, around that family, and eventually her father will be around. And how will you react? Do you think that her presence will be a positive presence in his life considering what she's been through? And by my mother telling me that, I left it alone and I thought deeper. I thought deep about it. I mean, also, she was willing to sleep with me right away with her daughters next door. That's a no-no in my book. Like, how many times has she done that with her children there? Those kids, those young women, what kind of damage has been done to their psyche? by her bringing men up there, 
I'm not, I wasn't the first one because her daughter acted that way because that wasn't the first time a man was in her mother's bedroom. I've heard several horror stories of friends that I grew up with who didn't have any father, who grew up in a single mother household in which they'd wake up and they see a stranger, another man, in their drawers taking a dump or a piss in their bathroom or eating their food out of the fridge. And my friends and my friends had never seen this man before. And this man not interacting with the children, but doing whatever the fuck he wanted to do because he had fucked their mothers. Because they had fucked their mother. I thought all of that, and that's when I was like, you know what? I am not going to engage with this woman again. So um, I never again spoke to her and never again saw her brother. And I hope things worked out for D'Angela. I hope she met a good man that was able to uh, help her heal. Because as, as good as a, a dude as I try to be with women that I care for, there's certain things that I can't cope with. And my mother made a great point. And there was behaviors that she had learned over her years of being abused that were going to affect my son and affect me. So... Um, I never again uh, reached out to her and um, I left it alone. Every time I hear Mother I Sober, I think of D'Angela, her daughters. Now her daughters right now would be what, 29 and 37. And I hope those uh, young ladies did not fall victim to the same type of abuse and lifestyle that their mother was subject to. Now on to the next voice note. Who's the next voice note from? Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Damn, I talk so much that we've come to the end of the program. Good God. Oh, boy. Okay. I have a voice note from longtime contributor LL School K. He's going to talk about the genius of Kendrick. Then we're going to finish this song with another masterpiece. A 12-minute song called Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst, in which Kendrick revisits songs that he talked about previously. One of them being Keisha's song, where he talks to Keisha's sister, one of the characters in this song, is Keisha's sister. Ladies and gentlemen, next week I am doing a podcast tribute on the greatness of Michael Jackson's bad album, 1987 summer release. We'll be going through that entire album and I'll be playing voice notes and I'll be talking about the times that happened in New York City and New Orleans because I was going back and forth between New York and New Orleans in 1987 and 1988. And my favorite song from that album, Man in the Mirror. And boy, do I have a personal song when it comes to Man in the Mirror. Until next week's Michael Jackson's Bad Podcast.
Be blessed and be a blessing. Kendrick Lamar. Well, first and foremost, I would like to congratulate Kendrick on his new album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. If you have not heard it, it's on all streaming services. I'm pretty sure because Kendrick Lamar is a big deal and has always been a force to be reckoned with in hip hop. So go check his album out. When I first heard Kendrick Lamar, I was pretty much done with hip hop. I was just listening to slow jams and old jazz singers like Arthur Prysock and R&B artists like uh, Barry White and uh, Isaac Hayes. And then listening to Kendrick Lamar right right alongside with J. Cole gave me a little hope for hip-hop. I thought it lost its morale. There was no substance to the music. It was all misogyny, drug dealing and killing and high rolling. And uh, it just wasn't a good platform anymore. Uh, I thought it was just um, something that was a theme of the past and that never would have thought that hip-hop would be around for 40 years plus. Uh, but thanks to artists like Kendrick Lamar for keeping the culture going, keeping the art alive, um, we still have what we call hip-hop. Uh, what I love about Kendrick is he has a jazz soul vibe when it comes to his music. You can tell he takes his time and he thinks thinks things through when he makes these records because it's not like no other. Uh, it's, every record has been a classic. I have not heard one bad LP from Kendrick Lamar. He does not have that typical L.A. West Coast sound that we have been used to hearing from artists like DJ Quick, Game, Dub C, and there's nothing wrong with that style, but Kendrick Lamar has shown to be more versatile. It's like one of those, it's like what Steve Harvey said, your gift is something you can do with the least amount of effort. I watched this man on YouTube on a radio station freestyle for almost 10 minutes straight fluent not stumbling and it was amazing what I heard Kendrick Lamar is definitely a future Hall of Famer if not a rock rock and roll Hall of Fame for sure but I don't know too much about that because they took almost two decades to put LL Cool J in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but he definitely is up there. He's my number two um, when it comes to West Coast rappers with Ice Cube at number one. He is a complete artist. Sing about me.
Woke up this morning and figured I'd call you in case I'm not here tomorrow I'm hoping that I can borrow a piece of mind I'm behind on what's really important My mind is really distorted I find nothing but trouble in my life I'm fortunate you believe in a dream This orphanage we call a ghetto is quite a routine And last night was just another distraction Or a reaction of what we consider madness I know exactly what happened You ran outside when you heard my brother cry for help Held him like a newborn baby and made him fail Like everything was alright in a fight he tried to put up But the type of bullet that stuck had went against his will Last blood spill on your hands, my plan's rather vindictive Everybody's a victim in my eyes When I ride, it's a murderous rhythm And outside became pitch black A demon glued to my back, whispering, get him, I got him And I ain't give a fuck That same mentality had told my brother not to duck In actuality, it's a trip, how we trip off of colors I wonder if I ever discover a passion like you and recover The life that I knew as a youngin' in pajamas and thunderlands When thunder comes, it rains, cats and dogs, dumb Niggas like me never prosper, prognosis Of a problem child, I'm proud and well devoted This pyro shit been in me forever So forever, I'ma push it wherever, whenever And I love you cause you love my brother like you did Just promise me you tell this story when you make it big And if I die before your album drop, I hope Your ignorance, how could you ever just put her on blast and shit? Judging her passing shit. Well, it's completely my future. Her nigga behind me right now asking for ass and shit. And I'ma need that $40, even if I gotta fuck, suck, and swallow. In the parking lot, Gonzalez Park, I'm followed by a merry man and father of three. My titties bounce on the cadence of his tingling keys. Matter of fact, he my favorite, cause he tipped me with ease. He got a cousin named David, and I seen him last week. This is the life of another girl damaged by the system. These foster homes, I run away and never do miss them. See, my hormones just run away, and if I can get them back to where they used to be, then I'd probably be in the denim of a family gene that show women how to be woman. Or better yet, a leader. You need her to learn something, then you probably need to beat her. That's how I was taught. Three niggas in one room. First time I was tossed, and I'm exhausted. But fuck that, sorry for your lost shit My sister died in vain, but what point are you trying to gain? If you can't fit the pumps, I walk in I'll wait Your rebuttal a little too late And if you have an album date, just make sure I'm not in the song Cause I don't need the attention, bring enough of that on my own And matter of fact, did I mention that I physically feel great? A doctor's approval is a waste of time, I know I'm straight I probably live longer than you and never fade away I'll never fade away, I'll never fade away I know my fate and I'm on the ground for this cake I'ma get it or die trying I'm eyeing every male gender with intentions of buying You lying to these motherfuckers talking about you can help them with my story Sometimes I look in the mirror and ask 
ask myself, am I really scared of passing away? If it's today, I hope I hear a cry out from heaven so loud it can water down a demon with the Holy Ghost till it drown in the blood of Jesus. I wrote some raps that made sure that my lifeline Reeking the scent of a reaper Ensuring that my allegiance with the other side may come soon And if I'm doomed, may the wound of my mother be blessed for many moons I suffer a lot And every day that glass mirror get tougher to watch I tie my stomach in knots And I'm not sure why I'm infatuated with death My imagination is surely an aggravation of threats that can come about Cause the tongue is mighty powerful And I can name a list of your favorites that probably vouch Maybe cause I'm a dreamer and sleep is the cousin of death Really stuck in the schema Wondering when I'ma rest And you're right, your brother was a brother to me And your sister's situation was the one that put me In a direction to speak on something that's realer than the TV screen By any means wasn't trying to hold fin to come between Her personal life I was like it need to be told Cursing the life of 20 generations at the her soul Exactly what would happen if I ain't continue Rapping or steady being distracted by money, drugs, and four fives. I count lives all on these songs. Look at the weak and cry. Pray one day you be strong. Fighting for your rights, even when you're wrong. And hope that at least one of you think about me when I'm gone. Am I worth it? Did I put enough work in? Promise that you will sing about me. Promise that you will sing about me. I said when the light shut off.
the city with vanity with the music louder uh, The same song, uh, a black flower uh, I show you how to uh, die your thirst uh, Die your thirst, uh, die your thirst uh, What are we doing, uh, who are we fooling uh, Hell is hot, uh, fire is proven uh, To burn for eternity, return of the student That never learned how to live righteous but how to shoot it uh, Tired of running, uh, choirs is humming uh, Tell us to visit, uh, we lie about coming All I know, uh, is taking notes on taking this life for granted, granted if you provoke, uh, my best days, uh, I stress days, Don't forget me for all my sins, for my best days, uh, I stress days, uh, say fuck the world, uh, my sex slave, uh, money, pussy, and greed, what's my next crave, whatever it is, know it's my next grave, uh, tired of running, tired of running, tired of tumbling, tired of running, uh, tired of tumbling, back with my mama, say see you. Give me a promise What if today was the rapture And you completely tarnished The truth has set you free So to me be completely honest You dying of thirst You dying of thirst So hop in that water And pray that it works Fuck I'm tired of this shit I'm tired of fucking Yo, running I'm tired Come of talk shit. to me My brother homie is that what I think that is? I know that's not what I think that is. Why are you so angry? See, you young men are dying of thirst. Do you know what that means? That means you need water, holy water. You need to be baptized with the Spirit of the Lord. Do you want to receive God as your personal Savior? Okay, repeat after me. Lord God, I come to you a sinner. Lord God, I come to you a sinner. And I humbly repent for my sins. And I humbly repent for my sins. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe you raised him from the dead. I believe you raised him from the dead. I would ask that Jesus come into my life. I would ask that Jesus come into my life. And be my Lord and Savior. And be my Lord and Savior. I receive Jesus to take control of my life. I receive Jesus to take control of my life. And that I might live for him from this day forward. And that I may live for him from this day forward. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me with your precious blood. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me with your precious blood. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. All right now, remember this day to start of a new life, your real life.